And good morning. It is a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio, brought to you by Glory Days Grill, where you can find Goose Flights Lager. It's available in cans at every Glory Days Grill location in the state of Maryland. It's also available at some other locations. In cans at Alonzo's on Cold Spring Lane, the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook. Cans and Sixers available. If you go to Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North or Costas Inn and Dundalk, Sixers and Cases available at the Wine Source in Hamden, 198 from every can sold to the Goose Flights Foundation, providing non-emergency medical transport to those in need. Help us continue the legacy of the late, great Tony Saragusa and have a delicious beer. You're not watching football anymore. What are you doing with your time? I say drink. That's the responsible thing to do. I'm Glenn Clark. I think I approve this message. Goose Flights Lager. Good read. Good job. What just happened there, but I think it worked. Uh, busy day on tap. Drew will join us in a bit because we, we don't have the ability to say no. Any one of these weeks, we just be like, you know, we're good. It's all good. But we don't. I don't know why. We just don't. Later in the program, uh, our first NFL draft segment of the season, Tony Pauline. We'll check in with us, longtime friend of ours. Tony is now at the Sports Kita covering the NFL draft, so we will chat with him about um, some of the Ravens' options. The real problem right now is before free agency begins and you start to get some of these answers, I can't even zero in really on what the Ravens' needs are. It's about feels like there's about like, four to five. It's amazing because all season long we kept talking about how they were such a complete roster. And then like right now – I would say edge rush is, to me, the primary need. But then I think about, like, well, what if Ronnie Stanley is released? Then is the primary need left tackle? And then, you know, there's that whole Zay Flowers situation. So does the primary need become wide receiver again? They don't really know what they're doing at running back. I don't think it's the primary need, but I would say it might be a need. It's the Ravens. They could probably always use another quarterback. I don't know. I don't know what the needs are. I just don't know. So um, we'll dive into all of them with Tony Pauline. We'll just sort of get to know some of the prospects, the various positions that uh, could be available at 30. Uh, also this morning, we will chat with Paul Rabel, of course, the uh, founder of the, the co-founder of the PLL. They are uh, down in D.C., for their annual PLL Championship Series, which I think takes on a bit more importance this year because with lacrosse being approved for the Olympics, it's a reminder that what they're doing, this is what lacrosse is going to look like at the Olympics, the sixes format. So the guys that are participating, and it's the four teams that were in the semifinals a year ago, so unfortunately our boys are yeah. not a part of it. So it's um, kind of a sham. No, it's definitely not that. Well. Not that at all. Need the whips in it. I understand. You're a get back. one fan of the whips. Got to get back. But uh, the reality is this is very important for determining. I don't know what he's doing, but I don't like it. I don't know. No, no. Stop it. Also, Kylie McDaniel will join us this morning from ESPN. Talk about his prospect rankings, his system rankings, the whole thing. I don't want to know. I just, I don't. Don't tell me. Let's move on. I got that. No, I got the Sunday. I don't want to know. Sunday red underwear. Oh, <laughs> and the tag in the back. Yeah, is 
Have you had tag? You mean like the Jim Nance Sunday red underwear? No, because the that's Tiger. What Tiger Sunday no, red. I could have sworn it was because Jim Nance wears Sunday red underwear. No, I got the Tiger Sunday red underwear. I got everything. I got the Well, he's not going to be playing on Sunday. Why would you do that? Come I on. don't know if he'll play this Sunday or not. That's a good that's Probably a, not. Let's be honest. What are the odds on that, uh, that he makes a cut? Uh, let's, let's see. I don't know. Golf talk live here. No, we're not doing that. Nice haircut, we're definitely by the way. not doing that. Um, well, I don't know if you know this or not. Tiger's playing in the tournament. I'm quite aware. The biggest story and in I, sports. Well, no, it's not that. But I understand the argument could be there's no other stories in sports. So it might default to it because there's nothing else. Tiger to make the cut. What, what's the what's the bet there? I Plus one twenty five. I don't want to do this. I don't. I really don't want to do this. Go to your superbook. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm yes, looking. of course. We go to superbook.com or download the superbook app, and we use the code Glenn Clark twenty three when we sign up. Because that'll get you up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose, from Superbook. But uh, I, I don't even know if they've got odds on Tiger making the cut this weekend. Yes is minus 135. Oh. No way. What's what's no? No way. Plus 115. I would go ahead. i go ahead. Is, what are, what are so we doing? So there is a cut. The Genesis, right? This is yeah. yeah. There is a cut. I didn't know that there was a cut. Okay. Because I thought it was in a... It's a smaller field. Yeah, I thought I didn't think there was a cut. Okay, all right. Well, over under finishing position of forty five. He's never played the golf course. How many people playing it? He's never played the golf course well. If you made me bet that, what are the other? What are the other bets? Um, he's the only one that you can bet on for uh, to make the cut. Okay. Uh, Scotty is the favorite, plus seven hundred. I would bet if you made me bet one way or the other. I would. I would bet the tiger doesn't make it. That's what I would do too. That's He's never played the golf course well. Right. I, everybody knows that. I would just bet that a guy that doesn't play golf anymore. Oh, be careful. Yeah. You're talking about Tiger. I understand that. <laughs> You're talking about Tiger. <laughs> Didn't you used to be Tiger Are we Woods? on the air Monday? It's <laughs> a really bad idea. Are we or not? Yes, we are. I did not get the text. All three of us. It's going to be super oh, uncomfortable. Uh, the only way I'm coming in is if I get named ahead of her. No, in fact, <laughs> in fact... Oh, you're going to love this. Oh, I can't wait to show you how it's listed on the schedule. <laughs> oh, man, this is actually going to be my favorite moment of all time. Well, I'm not coming in. Oh, this is going <laughs> to be a I'm good day. If I'm not at least number two. So uh, so there was a schedule sent out for uh, 105.7 The Fan, and it's a holiday, of course, on Monday. It's do we get, a, pre- do we it's get paid pre- No, I don't think we do. It's President's Day, and yeah. if there's any group of people that we definitely should be honoring around here, it's the President's. Oh, yeah. They've, we should. They've yeah. earned it. We're all going to stumble in and yeah. fall over ourselves. They've earned it. So um, it's a holiday schedule on Monday. Okay. And scheduled to work Monday morning. Oh, man. Can I have this water? I can't. Uh, yeah. Probably. Yeah. I can't wait till you read how this is written I'm going to be pissed. Go ahead. Read read that. <laughs> read that on Monday. Monday. Yeah, go ahead. Look at 6 a.m. <laughs> Look at what that is. <laughs> I, am, I am not coming in now. <laughs> Glenn Clark. And friends. And you know what? I think that's correct. <laughs> I think that's written out correctly. Seems racist to me. What? Seems you're, racist to me. You're white. <laughs> the other person isn't. Yeah, it's true. But you are. Well, she should be listed. Yeah, I agree with that. She should be. Are we she really doing a show together, the three it's of us? It's a terrible idea. It's one of the worst ideas that I've ever heard in my entire life. That's uh, fine. And this is we'll, we'll get her uh, sorted. This out. is the problem. We'll get her no, sorted. No, out. we won't. This is the problem. I know you. Okay. And I know her. Okay. And I'm gonna have to do all the work. Is it oil and water? Oh uh, yeah. no, we're gonna get along fine, right? You'll Rita get along. You'll get along. Yeah. But I don't know to prepare. 
I, I know what show to prepare when I do a show with you. I know what show to prepare when I do a show with her. I don't know which way to go in preparing this show. Well, let's, I have no let's idea. Let's do what we always used to do, real but, sports yeah, talk. Yeah, don't prepare. That's, real, that's what you're suggesting? Real, Just show up, prepare nothing? T- real sports talk. We were really good at that. There was no skill that we had more than not preparing to do a show, you and I. Yeah. So I look we were the best show that. on that station. Well, that part might be. Hang on a second. What was our competition? <laughs> like You do have to consider that. And Bob was okay. Bob, Bob's, Bob was at the point of his time there. We were all serving our time there. Bob was at the point at that point where he just didn't care any longer. Oh, yeah. Bob, Bob what were the other shows? So, so Bob, Bob could have worn a mailman's was, outfit was, at that point. Yeah, it was so. So at the time, it would have been Bob, and then Rob was in the afternoons. Bob and Rob together. No, no. Oh, Rob, Dave, Bob Bob midday. Rob did oh, a good okay. job. Rob still cared. Rob still. Rob oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bob, who was as good as this as anybody, really. Wow. I mean, Bob's incredible. May, maybe the best. Right. This town's had in 25 years. But at that point, Bob just did not give a rat's ass. Right. He hated that place as much as everybody else every, did. Every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, same, Keith Cavanaugh, yep. this guy, that yep. guy, just, NBA just, guy. Like, Bob didn't care. Bob did not care. He would just go to Ray Bachman, go ahead, book who – he didn't care. Right. Bob would be like, you could – And still killed it. Could have. Uh, by the way, it was still it's 100%. Kind of like Bob Dylan right, right. now. Like, right. like, you would find yourself still listening. Right. He wasn't trying. You didn't know and he you didn't would care. Still we, we knew to he didn't him. care, but no one else knew. Correct. Bob absolutely had given up on that place, and he would tell you, like you, he'd walk in for one day and say, hey, "Bob, how you doing?" He'd be like, "Just checking the box today." He just did not care at all. It's and weird because a lot he of us were so very, much about sports. A lot of us were very motivated there. Yeah, except for him. Ex- no, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, we were motivated. Yeah, <laughs> Drew and I. We actually cared. We just didn't prepare. Like right, that was the, the diff. We, we did the opposite. We cared deeply. <laughs> I cared up until I got the hundred dollars thrown at me. Oh yeah, that, that was, was a my hell of a day. no no no. God, I, I, I don't know I'll if I've never... ever said this. Like that was my. Oh, that broke you. That was that the was moment? pretty much the end of my allegiance. So we were in Indianapolis for the combine because that year. was completely. You never went a, back to the combine. I did not. Yeah, you never. And went that back. was it was. So embarrassing to be treated like that. Yeah. After leaving my wife and kids and going to this, the, the, the worst event I've ever been to in my life and getting there and being treated like that. I'm, I just remember getting on the plane and going, yeah, That's I, it. I think this is That's that, it. that one. You never know what straw it is. You never so know. So we did spring training the because I I remember I you had never to go know to the, what straw it yeah, is. That was that the was one. the straw. That was the straw. Here's your go go get yourself food and he threw a hundred dollars at us. I'm like you take that. I think I remember. Yeah, saying, you did. You, you did. take that hundred dollars and stick it up your rear end. You did. You I was 100%. not happy. You you gave him the and then I was actually pissed. I was I like, why did you give him the hundred dollars? Crumpled it up and said, you can take that hundred dollars and stick <laughs> and, it up your rear end. And Drew was like, well, we'll just go ahead and pay and then we'll get somebody else to reimburse us. Right. 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 Like, we'll deal with that. It was later. the worst event I've ever been to in my life. Yeah, Drew is not. I walked up there. Fan of the I combine. went to go downstairs. Yeah. I'm hitting the elevator button, and the button and the button's not lighting up. Right. The guy comes walking up. Can I help you? I said, Yeah. Hey, how's it going? I'm just trying to get downstairs. Uh, elevator's not working. He goes, What are you going downstairs for? I said, Watch the combine. He goes, Are you who are you with? I said, A radio station. I showed <laughs> right. him my thing. He goes, Yeah, you can't go downstairs. I'm like it's on the screen. I said, What are you talking about? Like I'm watching it on the screen right. He now. goes, Yeah, you can't go down. So you're you not can't allowed, go in the you're stadium. You're not allowed out there. Wait a minute. I can't what. <laughs> He said, you can't go into the stadium. Yeah. I said, no, hold on a minute. The combine is being held on the field. Right. 
And it's I'm not a, here. It's not a state secret. I'm watching it. There it is. Can't go. Right there. Nope, not allowed out. I went back in. Yeah. And I said, you duped me into coming to this thing. Well, at the time, remember, we weren't broadcasting from the Combine. Which made that it was, ten times worse. That was the goofy part. Because after that, I said, well, we're going to go broadcast from the Combine. Because then we got all the coaches to come over. Right. Ken Wisenhunt wanted to fight me for some reason. Right. I asked him if he was going to. I think I asked Ken Wisenhunt if he was going to trade for Peyton Manning. And he was furious with me. I'm like, what the F, guy? <laughs> like, I think it's a reasonable question. Are you going to try to trade for Peyton Manning? And he was mad. Like, he wanted to fight me. Like, how dare I ask him that question? I'm like, you could just say yes or no or not answer the question. It's okay. And I had gotten along with Ken Wisenhunt. Like, I didn't understand what that was all about. Um, the, the, when we broadcast from the Combine, it was fine because we had... Well, we were doing stuff. Right. We were brought there under the guise of... We were covering the Combine. This is going to be awesome. Right. And it was... I, 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 it was just awful. Well, you also refused to participate in the the part of the combine that everybody says is the real combine, which is hanging out at the bar at midnight and letting the drunk coaches stagger in and tell you what they really feel. Right? Here's the, uh, right, and I guess the reality I, is I got to tell here's you the truth that that I could have gone without Jack Del Rio bending my ear at right. two in the morning. And here's the truth. I I, I guess I should say this. Um, I. I, I did, I've never really liked the draft. Like, pe- I get it, by mm-hmm. the way. People have made their living we're, off the draft. Junk, by the way, our first NFL draft segment coming up today I, at 11 a.m. I, I, I know. I, I've just, I was never a draft Nick, I guess is the best way to put it. I didn't dislike the draft. It's not like I'm anti draft. I just didn't, it wasn't my thing. And I went it, because I was asked to go and I was told. Hey, this will be good for you guys to go. And I'm a listener, meaning I'm a I'm a listener, not a mm-hmm. I'm not somebody. If you say to me, I think this is a good idea. Yep. I'll I'll listen to you. And he said it's a good idea. You and Glenn should go. And in fairness, you are you were at the time. You were a draft nick at the you, time. But I you, also this was a time you I liked that. I was and, not married. And I in had fairness, no, I had no. You kids. were 28 right. then, trying to or whatever. Well, I wasn't 28. Whatever you were. 24 whatever yeah. but you were you were at the stage too where you were you were trying to and yeah. you've done a nice job of it Networking. you were trying to be a real sports broadcaster mm-hmm. and this was good for you i was at that stage in my life where i didn't care you weren't quite bob haney but you were about certain things i didn't care yeah. i i will i now i'm not saying that i I mean, and you know this because you went with me. And this is not to be disrespectful to anyone else on the station. You and I, and and I'm not including Luke because he wasn't on then. You and I were the only people that went over to the football team on Mondays and Wednesdays and and acted like we cared. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those other guys never went. Those other guys never went over on Wednesday or Monday. No. Now... I think everybody them, like went one time during training but, right, camp. Right, but some and, of them were yeah. also on the air, and yeah. uh, it, but you and I went over there and yep. sat in that and in, in, in that auditorium, and sometimes got sniped at by John. Right, and then on Wednesdays we'd walk around, and Adam Terry would give us the stink eye. Like you and I went over there. I cared about that. Mm-hmm. I, I I did. I cared about going to the Orioles until Greg Bader got and, and I got in a fight. I, I cared about that stuff. I just didn't care about the draft. It never appealed to me. 
I, I always, and, and here's the funniest part. The real funny part is when I was in the soccer business, I was the only guy in the league that cared about the draft. Right. Well, I mean, it's that's a the bit, funniest part. It's a little bit different. Right. Sure, but yeah. when I was in the soccer business, right. I was the guy going to college soccer games to chase college players. And <laughs> coaches and GMs would say to me every single year, how did you know about David Vaudrill right. and Rusty Troy and Doug Neely? How did you? And I said, because I went and watched them play. Yep. What an idea. So I, What a concept. I loved it when I was involved in it. Yeah. When I got out of it, I didn't like it. Yeah, I understand that. I understand that. I um, I don't know how we got to anyway. This point. Well, we yeah, were talking know. about oh, the your, old days your breaking station. point. My breaking <laughs> yeah, point. That was my breaking point. point. Was when I got the money thrown was, at us. That was when because Drew. we didn't want to share a plate. I oh, remember. God, he said, that's what it was. He said, Let's go get a platter. That's what he said. Let's go get a platter. He's, he was looking like, at the menu. Yeah, at because the, the hotel had yeah. a Fridays yes, attached. That's to exactly what it was. And we were in the lobby, and he said, "Hey, they've got this platter. It's got six wings." Yeah. Uh, twelve carrot sticks yeah. and fourteen Brussels sprouts, yeah. and we we let's go in there and grab that real quick. I'm like, I'm actually hungry. Yeah, I'm gonna go get it. I'm gonna go get a meal. Right, I'm good. I'm good. I'm gonna go find. I think a meal. you and I might have even we said we wanted at, to go to like St. Elmo's. Remember? Uh, Didn't we well, want to go the somewhere? We ended up at the Canterbury. But isn't that somewhere correctly. where we wanted to go legit? Yeah. And he said, "Why don't we just go in here?" Right. Right. You know what the problem is with you guys? You eat too. He said you eat too much. Yeah. I'm like, well, at the time, don't, don't tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I'm hungry. I, I know it's too much. Right. I mean, I'm going to, but that's not your problem. All right. So um, I don't know what you care about this week. I have no idea where your head's at. Do you still care at all about the overtime thing and who takes the ball first? Is that on you? Oh well, no. I mean, I think it's a very fun discussion point. I do believe you take the ball first, personally. Okay. I understand all of the. Um, I understand all of the components to it. Um, I, I get it that uh, uh, the positives about taking it first, here they are. Your defense gets a rest, uh, assuming you're on the field for some period of time. Your your defense gets a rest. That's first and foremost. If you score a- any kind of offensive point, it now puts the other team in a must-score situation on their next series. They, If they don't score three, assuming you score three, mm-hmm. or they don't score seven or six, assuming you do, then you're, you win. And in fact, the whole plan worked perfectly for the 49ers. They couldn't stop the kid on fourth and one. They had the whole game. They had a three-foot putt. All they had to do was stop it, and they couldn't do it. Now, fourth and one yeah, isn't I mean, fourth and six either, but like – it all worked out perfectly till they gave up the fourth down. Um, so I, I, I do want, and then I also understand that if you receive the ball first, and the other, and and the game is still tied after both of you have the ball once, then it is sudden death, and now you do definitely have the advantage because now if you score, you win, and they don't get the ball back. So if you want to keep Mahomes off the field, that's the easiest way to do it: win the game, he doesn't come back on the field. So I get all that, but I also get. When you get the ball second, mm-hmm. you have now seen what the other team has done. You know. You also now get four downs yep. instead of three. Yep. That is an important component to consider given the other team's quarterback. You you might not mind if Brock Purdy had four downs. You do mind if Jake um if Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen has four downs. It does change, and I I do get that. 
that you're now basically saying to them, on this series, you will get four downs on every single, well, on this possession, you'll get four downs in every series. Yep. I get it. Um, it also gives you the benefit, and the, the Chiefs said they were going to do this. I'm not so sure I believe it, but they said. It also gives you the benefit that if the other team scores a touchdown and kicks the extra point, and you score a touchdown, you can then go for two and win or go for two and lose. Yep. I understand both of them. I don't think either one of them is is demonstratively different. Can't believe we agree. I I just don't believe. I just don't see either one of them being enough of an advantage to. To, to consider it, I would take the ball first, and and in some ways the reason I would take the ball first is because their defense had just been on the field. So that was relevant on Sunday, and it was pointed out by a couple right. people. Because I would disagree. I would say in general, if I have any belief at all in my offense, I would take the ball second because the two point conversion to me is the hammer. Right? Would you like, Would you really go for two? Yes, I would. Would you really? If, if I'm the team that would go for two, that's the big thing now. Man. This, to me, depends on if you're the team that when you're down 14 late and you score in the fourth quarter with seven minutes left, the thing now is you're supposed to go for two. And if you would do that. To make it six or eight. To make it six, because then if you score again, you win. You win. And if you don't get the two, then the you idea score is two and you, you get a tie. It, a two-point conversion, essentially, the belief is it's 50-50. So if you go for it twice, you're going to I would almost one say of one of the uh, interesting things about overtime would be that you should have to go for two. Um, That's interesting. They, I, I would think that that should be part of it. Interesting. They changed the college yeah. rule now, so like in the second overtime you have to go for two. Yes. And then after and then the then second after overtime, just, it's just two-point conversions, two right? Um, I, I think the whole thing just came down to the ability or inability of a team to make a defensive stop, and the Chiefs did it, and the 49ers couldn't do it. And it to me, it just came down to that. I, I don't, don't think Kyle I, Shanahan no, lost no, I don't, the game. I don't, and that's the part. This is what, it's this kind is of a what, joke that people are saying. It's a that. crazy thing that you say. I would, go, I would want to defer and take the ball second, but I agree with you. To me, it's just a preference. That's all it is. Right. The idea there, that one of these is correct. It's funny. Do you want to go ahead and hit the sounder? They, they, there uh, isn't uh, one that's hang, correct. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Because I don't know what, if you prepared something for the segment today, but what I have prepared is related to this. So let's go ahead and do it. Don't you see something every day and you say to yourself, this is the problem with this place? Yeah, and this is what's wrong with the country. What's wrong with the country is we're not willing to talk about what's wrong with the country. That is true. What's wrong with this country is brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. Griffin, what's going on at Live Casino God, and Hotel? I love this segment. <laughs> Live Casino and Hotel is the place to be uh, this weekend and every weekend, uh, sports and social. Uh, you'll want to be there for UFC 298 this weekend. Uh, and uh, It features an on-site FanDuel location, and it is your ultimate spot to watch uh, to watch your favorite sports on their massive 100-foot media wall. Order up your favorite game day bites. Take a sip from their signature crushes and extensive beer selections. All just steps away from the FanDuel Sportsbook. Watch, wager, and win at Sports and Social at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. At Ronald Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. So here's what's wrong with this country. I don't know why I follow this person, to be fair. I, I've realized, I was like, why is this in my timeline? It's because I was following this person. T.R. Sullivan previously covered the Texas Rangers for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram and MLB.com. He has since retired. T.R. Sullivan tweeted the following yesterday. 
Super Bowl, overtime, you win the toss, take the ball first, score, and then if the game is still tied after both teams' possession, you have the first chance to win in sudden, sudden death. Shanahan made the right decision. Glad to be able to clear that up for everyone. Now, here's what's wrong with this country. First of all, this person presented an opinion as though it's fact. But everybody does that. It's not even the part of it that bothers me the most. It's the unbelievable way in which we think we know something that everyone else doesn't know. We are so detached. That's all Twitter is. You tweet something, someone else follows up. How many times in Would You Rather Wednesday do I put something else out there and the first response I get back is, well, I don't think they would make that trade. Well, we know that. Thank you. Thank you. God, you have added something. My God, what a hero you are today. You have This person, this tweet to me is so 2024, it should be studied. They should teach it in universities. This is who we are as a people. This person woke up yesterday genuinely believing they knew something about this debate that the rest of us didn't know. Wait! They get the ball in sudden death? Really? The exact thing that Kyle Shanahan said after the game when he was asked about why he did it? Thank you, T.R. Sullivan! You've saved us! We had no idea! You have, you have truly cleared that up for everyone. That is who we are, man. We genuinely believe. I feel like one of the best strengths I have is knowing how much I don't know. And understanding that I don't know if I'm right about certain things. Instead of just believing at all times that I'm right because I've convinced myself that I'm right. And thinking that it adds something to the national discourse. Glad I could clear that up for everyone. What the F do you think you cleared up? Right. What? In what way do you think you cleared something up today? You just repeated the things that we're all talking about. It's okay sometimes if there's not a correct answer. Your boy Brian Jackson was getting after me yesterday. Well, I mean, obviously the answer would be you take the ball for No, it's not obvious, Brian. It's not. No. And it's okay. I have an opinion about the subject. Yeah, that, that's the word, by the way, that like, that's the word that changes the course of the discussion. Right. Um, obviously. No, it isn't. No. Right. You know that because it's three days later and we still don't have an answer. And even the nerds don't have an answer for the, Even the people that always are like, they are right. We have but studied this. This, this goes there's so much of that. I got two things for you today. Uh, really, it'll be three, but I'm going to dove. Uh, I'll connect to it in the same one. Okay. We 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 have we have to. Something has happened in this country. We and it might just so much of what's happening in the country is is connected to the the presidents plural the presidents over the last 15 years. I'm not saying good or bad that they've done a good or bad job. I'm saying so much of what's going on in the country is connected to the presidents because we've got to have a scapegoat. Everybody, everyone in sports. The reason the Ravens lost was because of Todd Munkin. Well, or John the reason, Harbaugh. Right, right. Yeah. The reason the Ravens lost was because of John. The reason the Ravens lost is because of Zay Flowers. 
The reason we have got to have a scapegoat. Kyle Shanahan's the scapegoat. If the coin gets flipped and it comes up heads, right. he doesn't even. It, doesn't it never even gets to right. Kyle Shanahan. Right. Like it's we we do this all the time. Scapegoat. Who's the scapegoat? Kyle Shanahan wasn't playing defense. He wasn't the guy that was watching Hardman run by him in the end zone. Like it, we, but it's always about and and then this dovetails into this thing about coaching, and you see it more and more and more. A lot of it is because of the proliferation of the internet. And everyone has obviously, obviously. learned, has, knows way more than the coaches. Here's the, here's the boilerplate. Here's the statement for all of you. You don't know anything even remotely close to what the coaches know. You don't. Period. You don't know as much football as John Harbaugh. You don't know as much baseball as Brandon Hyde. You don't know as much hockey as, well, maybe you do, uh, as the guy <laughs> in D.C. No, um... <laughs> You, you don't know as much as they know, and here's why. Because you aren't there. You watch the games, and you think you know. Well, and to be fair, that doesn't mean they don't get things wrong. Everybody does. Coaches get things wrong right. all the time. Right. All the time. Right. I would say the best piece I saw all year, I think I mentioned this to you on the air, the best piece of footage I saw all year was after the Dolphins lost to the Titans on Monday night when McDaniel went into the team meeting and it was on the hard knocks and said to those guys... Yeah, it's on me, right? I let you down. I don't know what I was doing. Yep. My hands are so in this loss. Now, I also know... I also know what he was doing. He was trying to get his team, you know, like, hey, hey, buck up. I, I, this one's I, not on you. We, I, I think yeah. I told the story, right? We lost a match last year against St. Paul's. I specifically stood up in the parking lot after the match and said, this is on me. Right. I should have never scheduled this match the day after we came back from spring break. This is totally my fault. And in some ways, I did believe that because I did think we would play better coming out of spring break. In fact, we flatlined. So I, I, I did take the blame for that. You, There are times when the coaches are wrong, and Mike McDaniel did have his hands in it, and he said that. I, I can't believe I made And he said specifically, the play call on third and six, I don't know what I was thinking about. That was the that was so dumb. Now he's also saying that because hindsight yep. tells him he was wrong. Yep. But this this constant this constant chase for a scapegoat is I don't know where we got into this in our country where somebody has to get the blame. And you see it now with all of the people on the one side who think Biden doesn't know what he's doing, and all the people on the other side who, who, who don't so, think Trump's doing it. So I would add that some of it might have to do with the fact that we also have a problem in our country where no one does want to accept blame. Hundred percent. Like I think. Oh. I, I think that that does. Hundred percent. I'm not sure what the percentage is. When did it start? When did? But I do think that we have an issue where no one wants to. Young people. That's on me. In particular, that when it's just easy to say, "Hey, man, I screwed up." I screwed up, and I'm sorry. It's the easiest thing in the world to do. I get into this with my wife all the time. I know when I'm wrong. I just say, hey, I screwed that up. I'm sorry. I, I goofed. I effed up. I am sorry. It's not hard. But for some reason, it's very hard. We can't do that. I don't know when that started. It's not, not going to fix it, but it goes a long way into at least saying, hey, I accept that. I get it. I got to do better. And instead, it's, I, you know, I, I was I was confused. I was, no, just I screwed up. My bad. I'm sorry. 
I made the mistake here, and here, we don't do that. Here's another thing wrong with the country, and it and and this is definitely territorial because I don't think they have this problem in Florida, but we have it here, and you saw it yesterday. <laughs> they closed the school. We it's went, un- I went on a twenty minute it's rant about un- it. I went on a twenty. It's it's unreal. It's unbelievable what yeah. we're teaching these kids subconsciously when you close the schools. You you then make the day you've you've given them no ability at all to learn about anything. You just say we're going to close the schools today and you don't have to do anything. Instead of saying at 5 a.m. the schools are open. We we did this by the way for years. We we figured out how school could be on a computer. The schools are open. Everybody had to do it. Right. But even notwithstanding that, the schools are open. It's now 5 a.m. Schools are open. You now have, and and even if you wanted to say the schools are open an hour late, okay, it's 5 a.m., it's 6 a.m., schools are open. You now have to figure out your day. Okay, I need to get dressed and get ready. Your parents say it might take a little longer for mm-hmm. us to get to school mm-hmm. today. So we need to plan out the morning. Gotcha, Mom. Getting ready. Oh, by the way, we also need... You, you know what you also need to do? You, because you're 12, you need to go out and ice the driveway for the family. Go out and prepare for us to leave. You know what else I need you to do? Scrape off Mom's windshield. But it's cold. You're right, it's cold. You know what? Put on a coat. Go outside, scrape off the windshield. And by the way, while you're at it, yep. Mrs. Atkinson next door, who's 77. Yeah, she could use hers. Yeah. Go scrape off her windshield, but it's really cold. Good. Put on a hat and go scrape yeah, off her windshield. Yeah. Am I getting anything for it? Yeah. You know what you're getting for yeah. it? You're not getting your ass beat. Go next door and scrape <laughs> off her windshield. You'll have dinner tonight. Gotcha, Mom. Good. Okay. It's 750 it, it, it's usually only a 10-minute drive, but we got to leave now because I want to make sure we're there by 8.45. Well, what am I going to do for 20 minutes? Sit there in the lobby of the school and pray, talk to your friends, anything. Open up your book. Novel concept. This concept of not having school because it was raining and icy is outrageous. It wasn't icy. What are if you it was icy, there would be a them? problem. There was no ice. What yesterday. are we teaching these kids? What we're teaching them is, in the first, in the very first instance where there might be trouble, stay Quit. in your room. Quit. It's unreal. And then we wonder why these kids are a mess. Get their asses on the bus and send them to school or drive them to school or walk to school backwards yesterday. with your shoes off like uh, I used yes, to do. Exactly. For miles, of course. It was but a I'm serious. Walk, right? It's unbelievable that we take these kids out of school because it rained. Part of, part of the problem is adults want to be children. It's a it is a it is a an epidemic. Adults. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. Children. Yesterday was like it was comical, Ad- and I understand. I do understand that geographically mm-hmm. there are areas of this com- of yeah, this county. I, I live in one of right. them. It was fine, but there are areas of the county that the weather differs. Yes. I, I totally get it that. It was fine. You could go to school yesterday. Make them go two hours late. Mm-hmm. Get in your car. Go go get the de-icer and get in your car and 
Go to school. Well, actually, I'm opposed to two hours late because then it puts them on the road at the same time as I'm trying to go to but work. So it, I don't it, want it, that. It, it's but yes, I just can't get a, over how we've done this. It was comical. It was comical yesterday, and it speaks to adults that want to be children. There's snow. Oh, but we're I, not I, teaching I might, them anything. I might get a day off. I might. We have need to, to be teaching them that you are going to face stuff in your life that creates problems. Problem solving. You're just gonna create them, and the way we create, the way we solve it is go in your room and play on the video games. You had a tough day yesterday, huh? It, I didn't, but <laughs> it just it I you sure I just couldn't believe this is what we do. If it's nine inches of snow, I get yes, it. Yes, close the schools. Uh, the number to me is like six. If there's a, a half a foot of snow, the cl- the schools have to be closed. But it it, it, it you just can't do that. It's it's unreal that as soon as something goes wrong, our first inclination is to just say, okay, give we'll up. wipe our hands on we that we'll give up. We, we try. We can't go to school today because it's snowing. We're all out of ideas. Well, what was your first idea? None. We're I all saw, out of I them. saw something, and this is a month ago. It was right after the holiday. The, the Duluth... I'm going to just call it the Duluth County School System, and that could be it could be called something else. But they, uh, and since 2000, since 2000, they have closed schools in Duluth, Minnesota, five times. Well, yeah, okay, but they're a lot more prepared for these but things. I, but than I'm, we I'm are. saying that, that I, but I get it, but, I get it. But they're going when there's 30 inches know, of snow. I know, and they don't care. I know, I know. It's unreal, I, and we are molding these kids into pansies. All right, well. <laughs> I don't know if we need to say pansies. I don't know if we need to do that. Well, that's what's wrong with the country. <laughs> Toughen up. I agree that they should have gone to school And yesterday. teach them how to navigate their way through these things. That was insane. Yesterday was insane. There was no reason why anybody needed to be It was like yesterday. this at noon. Not even at noon. <laughs> I looked at it like it was 10, hilarious. At like 1040, I looked over. We just finished. Somebody People was People were the playing show. golf at noon. And I looked at Griffin. I said, there's no snow. It's all gone. There's not a speck. And there was barely and, and, anyone I got here. And by the way, we all know what we all know what the root of this is. And this is another thing wrong with the uh, country. Lawsuits. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, lawsuits. Yeah. Hundred percent. And I'm not when I say what I'm about to say, oh, please. God. This all is right. not a, an endorsement of one of the presidential candidates. They just gave a woman eighty three million dollars. Okay, well that, let's not let's not do that. But let's th- not do that. Lawsuits not are that. what we do. Lawsuits are what we do. We're waiting for someone to slip on the ice so we can get $44 million because our kid broke his leg. So they are afraid of lawsuits because people are dying to sue someone. There is that. That part is true. They're dying to sue somebody. That part is true. Who can I... My car slid off the road. Who can I sue? And that is what's wrong. You good? You good? Yeah, I mean, I just yesterday. Oh, I don't blame I, you. I, 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 just, I did, and I do get it that the root of it is yep. legality. You got to be careful. That's part of the root of it. The other part of the root of it is adults want the day off because they want to be children. Adults want to act like children. An opportunity to get a free day where I didn't have to do my work or I saw there was snow in the forecast, so I drank the night before. Is they are big fans of that. They are big because we never. It was never an, an-, an announcement the night before. That never happened when we were growing up. And we didn't have the internet then. We didn't have the ability to quickly get the information to everybody. You can text everybody in two seconds now. But growing up, there was no, the night before, there's no snow on the ground. We're going to go ahead and close the schools tomorrow because there might be snow. That didn't happen. That was not a thing. That's come today because people want to be able to get ahead of it and they want to know that they can have a beer. 
They want to know I can drink tonight because I'm not going to school tomorrow. All right, let's get to the whole story of the week, We're not which is the about behavior Tiger. about the uh, of the people at the golf tournament. It's not the story of the week, but I'll let you have two seconds on it when we come back in. Drew's here. We still have a lot to do today. We're going to talk some NFL Snow draft. in the forecast. Well, then we might have to close everything. It's a Would You Rather Wednesday edition. Scenarios are up at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Brought to you by Glory Days Grill here on GCR. Hungry? With seven locations throughout Maryland, Glory Days Grill is always right around the corner. They have wings, burgers, salads, sandwiches, and drinks to satisfy everyone, as well as tons of televisions and sound delivered right to your phone. Glory Days is the best place to watch football or whatever your favorite sport is. While you're there, be sure to check out Goose Flights Lager, named in honor of legendary Raven Tony Goose Siragusa. $2 of every can is donated to the Goose Flights Foundation. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Jeremy Kahn here. The ultimate sports betting experience in Maryland is at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook. Join me at either location in Canton or in Towson and place your bets in person and be a part of the action. It's the best in-class sports wagering experience complete with the ultimate TV package, ensuring you can catch every game all day, every day. Their state-of-the-art facilities bring Las Vegas energy right here to Maryland just in time for postseason football. So visit the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton and Towson and elevate your game day experience and hang out with me to bet, watch, and win at the Turtle. Coming back in here with Glenn and the other guy, uh, uh, Garrett, whatever his name is. You know who they are. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the show. Drew Forrester is here, DrewsMorningDish.com. You realize 200,000 people went to that golf tournament Saturday? Uh, I do. I've been to the golf tournament, so but I know 200, a thing or two about it. 200,000 right, people. Hang on a second. Hang on. Keep it in your pants for one second. Today's show is brought to you by Toyota. Do you think you know high school basketball? Go to CountySportsZone.com where you can pick the winners and earn points to see where you stand on the leaderboard only at CountySportsZone.com presented by your local Toyota dealer. 
So I thought we're home Pilate tonight. I'm not. Oh, okay. I'm not giving you five minutes on this because nobody here actually cares. No one does. Well, there's only three of us here. I no one in this region cares. Well, I don't know about that. In Arizona, it's a huge story because they're going to have to make drastic changes to this thing. Um, but this has always been the drunk tournament. This has always been the party tournament. This has always been the. This is what makes this one different. But it got wildly out of hand over the course of the weekend. I wildly. Know. I don't know. If that might be wildly. You might have called and said you're right, underselling yeah. it. They had two hundred thousand people there. Well, N- I, name another something. Okay. Other than a, a march somewhere on, in D.C., name another something where two hundred thousand people come together. I was not aware because they. I don't think they did this when I was there. That they now sell a general admission any day pass. What What day do you think people are going to go? Yeah, Saturday or Sunday. Like you think people are using that for Tuesday, right? To come in and watch the pro am, to watch media people try to like, come right, on, man. That's right. why would you do that? Why would you sell? That's the the first thing that they screwed up is that they would ever offer an any day general admission pass. You got to know how many people are coming to the course every day. There can't be some surprise. Where they're like, wow, all the people picked Saturday. That's weird. Why would they do that? Well, maybe because it's Saturday. Other tournaments, by the way, um, the Byron Nelson does it now. Uh, someone else does it too. Maybe it's the John Deere. There are some other tournaments who have built these amphitheaters, for lack of a better term. Right, stadium. Stadium seating kind of things. Like uh, Phoenix, the last three holes are basically played indoors without a roof. Right. The last three holes are all surrounded by stands, grandstands that mm-hmm. you otherwise, if there was a roof over it, you would just be in an arena. Yep. Um, and and the concept works at the other venues. <laughs> there, there's some reason why it doesn't work in Phoenix, and the biggest reason why it doesn't work is too many people. Well, it's too many people. It's just too and many people. The reputation of the event is the purpose of this event is to get right. It's actually a party where there's a bunch of guys playing golf right. in it's, the middle of it. It's it's what they had to deal with with the Preakness years ago. Correct. Where where it, everybody knew no one cared about the horse race, but you can't. You're never going to be able to get people to care about the horse race. Right. It doesn't work that way. They had to figure out what the line was. But how do we hold the party that people want, and yet at the same time, not allow it to be. What it became, which was, you know, so debaucherous that it was going to lead to deaths. And that's the reality of what they're facing at this golf tournament, is how do they rein it in so that it's still a fun event? And Preakness has struggled with that over the years. Part of that is because I don't even know what the leadership is. Like, that's been part of the problem. There haven't been people here. The advantage they have out in Phoenix is, like, the people running the thing. Thunderbirds are are awesome. Are there. Right. And are very involved in the community and are listening to people. And they should be able to figure out how to make this work in a way that Preakness never really has because no one's here. Like the people who have the responsibility are in Canada or Florida or wherever they are. They don't know anything about this community. They come try to market to D.C. every year because they have nothing. They, they don't have a clue about how this community works. So they've never really figured it out. They've, they've had moments where things were popular or interesting but they haven't consistently been able to figure out how to do an event that's both a fun event that people will enjoy allows there to be an amount of a party and yet also doesn't 
you know, traipse into the dangers levels that it was traipsing into years ago. They've never fully perfected that. They haven't made it. It's it's fine. Preakness is fine, but they've never been able to get it to what they want. And maybe that's because they're trying to wait until there's a new track and then they'll figure out what this should look like at some point. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing there because, again, they're not here to talk to us about it. But I think they'll figure it out. It's a very fair comparison. I mean, the Preakness was wildly out of hand. Right. Um, It was very unpopular. The the difference, I guess is what I would say about the environments of the two pieces of property the you can show all of the preakness meaning if you're i guess abc or nbc carries it you can show the race and never once have to mention or allude to the infield it's not part and parcel of the race is that you see what i'm saying they don't have to they typically do but But to your point you don't have to but what happens on the infield doesn't impact the race at all unless you're like that one year where the guy jumped out and punched a horse. Right. But the, what goes on on the infi- infield doesn't connect at all with the race. What goes on at the 16th hole absolutely yeah. connects with the golf yeah, tournament. Correct. And 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 now this year you saw Billy Horschel and Zach Johnson and Jordan Spieth. Now what's happening is it has now spread out because you can't get to 16 now. If you don't get there until noon, mm-hmm. you can't even get into 16. Not a chance. Now you got to go to 15 and 14 and 13 to heckle. So now it's n- it, it is now oh to the point the players are willing to put up with it when there's one hole like hey it's Correct. all good right this is part of the deal. Correct. Yeah. Now they're not. Yep. I, if I got to walk through that thing and go to 16 T and hit a 150 yard shot in front of 27,000 of you screaming and throwing beer at me, I'll do it one. I'll do it four times a year. Right. You know, meaning Thursday, Friday, right. Saturday, Sunday, if I make the cut. What I'm not going to do is play the whole back nine with you heckling yeah, me I'm good. when I'm trying to make $1.4 million. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. I'm good. Yep. Yeah. No. And as much as, as much as people who don't golf want to poo-poo the whole quiet and, and, and all of that stuff, it is part and parcel of the sport for you in the 2.1 seconds that you're actually playing golf. It is important for there to be some decorum among people. That are that are, it's one thing if there's background noise and there uh, it was a very new experience for me when I played in the US Senior Open playing in front of those many people. I'd never done it before. Right. And the Forks and knives rattling around in the skyboxes, and the the doors slamming, and people somewhere yeah, in the and background, pe- and right. airplanes flying over, and yep. people talking while you're like that was certainly new to me. It wasn't new to Bernard Lang or Retief Goose. It was new to me. But and otherwise, you would have won. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was close, yeah. but um, it, it it it's not easy for those guys to do it and play at the level of which you know to to which they believe they're capable of playing when you have people 25 feet from them heckling them it is not easy for them to do it and it might be easy for you to do it as a basketball player because you're used to it. That's that's part of it, 100. Because somebody would say, and baseball. Well, these you're, guys go up to knock down free throws all the time where they have people stripping their clothes cor- off in correct. front of them. They are used to right, it. Right, it's what they do. You're not used to it in golf. But anyway, they're they're... They're in this. They're going to need to do something. Yeah, and they and they are aware of it. It's a major yeah, yeah, yeah. story they're out not, there. It's something they're not they're ignoring to, it. It won't be this. Now, what it'll be, and this is the problem, right? When Preakness made the decision they made, there was an immediate blow. Well, they went a, from black to white. 
Um, correct. There was no. <laughs> they 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 just yes. went from come in and yep. get s faced and run around to you, no one will do come anything. in with your hands tied behind correct. your back. Correct. 100%. And there was an immediate pushback. There was an immediate. Well, they went from 120,000 to 60,000. Yeah, in one something like swing. that in one year. Now, they got it back. In fact, the for a couple of years, or 140, they had the highest attendance they ever had after they figured out, and again, this is when they still had some people locally, they still had some people in this market that had a, a feel for what should we do, how do we make this work, how do we make this an event that people will still want to go to and yet not be the thing that it was before. Yeah, let them have fun, but you, you can't. If I'm going to go to the bathroom, I can't have beer cans thrown at me. Correct. What a concept. Right. Um, and they had the highest attended preakness ever. I was just pulling it up to find out it was in 2017, well after they banned beer. I remember on the air, you and I, we, we, would, we got some grief for essentially siding with the Maryland Jockey Club on this. And we did. We got some grief. Because yep. I would say to people, like, you're, you, you, you're throwing you're, beers. You're throwing uh, oh, cans of beer at people's heads. Right. How do you not under – like, how – separated are we from reality right where that's acceptable where we're just like hey dude well that's the way it goes like no it doesn't just go that way somebody has to step up and say that can't happen we can't do it that way that's not we can't just say that's collateral damage well this is our event you got to deal with you came to the you came to the infield right no you had to know you were getting shot in the face correct the gun that's the way it works sorry right was somebody has to be an adult in the room, and it was crazy that it was me right. that was choosing to be an adult in the room, considering, you know, I right. was the guy that was out there doing yeah, right, these right, things. Right. But like, we have to be able to say no, no. Now, again, they got it wrong the first time; they screwed it up. Yeah, they they went from eighty miles an hour to zero. Right? Miles they wanted to, they wanted you to be in a library, but it, but it also was probably the. And they probably had a focus group or a special interest group say to them, you guys can try to go from 80 to 40. Right. You should just go from 80 to zero. And then- And then go back to 40. Let's go back the other way. And when they did, they actually came up with an event. And the Mug Club club concept, while it had had problems, right? And a lot of people that went would say, that wasn't worth it for me. The lines were insanely long. I never got any- But what you charged me for a ticket- and said, "Hey, the trade-off is you can drink all day." Well, I couldn't drink all day. I got like two beers because I would I have to. I couldn't get. I couldn't get to. I couldn't get up there to get the beer. They, it still had problems, but it was good enough. And bringing in, you know, higher-level musical acts that made people say, "This, this is a party I still want to go to." And again, you had the highest attendant preakness ever. After they banned you bringing in your own alcohol, they figured out a way to make it work, and then you know. Things kind of went off the rails from there. They had problems with track. They got leadership issues. Nobody's here in Maryland to actually govern the thing. There's a lot of other issues they faced. And, frankly, they don't care about having as many people there anymore. It's something that they, don't, they won't say out loud, but they have stopped being concerned about the actual attendance of the Preakness. They, they want higher-end people. They don't want me, Griffin. You know, sorry, no offense. They just don't care anymore. Like, they don't... They realized that one day. They were like, yeah, we'd rather just have rich people. If we have 50,000 rich people, that's better for us than having 100,000 poor people. And they won't say that out loud. You're not allowed to say that out loud. But they're well, not the only I, ones. I would say that, and no one asked, but if they put me, you know, if, in you or any, I mean, if they put me in a group to say, like, we, we want to fix this or change this or et cetera, that would be, my first thing would be, tell me what, tell right. me what you care about. Right. What do you care about? Do you do you care about the handle? Mm-hmm. Do you care about the racing? Do you care about 
and those two kind of go hand in hand. Right. Do you do you care about no one getting hurt? Right. Do you care about selling alcohol? Like, what do you care about? What what matters? And don't tell me what matters. Like, what you want the public to think matters. Let's be honest. In the room, what do you what do you want? Do you want you know this? The Ravens, I think, go through this a lot, right? With they're making two hundred and twenty million dollars now. They used to make fifteen million. Mm-hmm. Now they're making two. Like, I'm not saying this to be disrespectful to Steve. Steve, I'm sure Steve cares that they didn't beat the Chiefs. Steve's got two hundred twenty million dollars. He's gonna be okay. He's gonna he, sleep all right. At when night. when they when he was only making fifteen million, yeah, quote unquote, they, it it hurt him when they lost. Yep. Because that was more money to be made. Yeah, I, mean, like I don't think Steve it's... cares that much anymore. I, look, there honestly. is still more money to be made. And... But I don't think Steve cares. Yeah. <laughs> I'm it, would sure. be, it would almost be weird if he did. Not sure I would. Like, right. right. That's what I'm... So tell, be... us, tell us if you're running this race, tell us what you care about. Right. Do you do you want people there? Right. Is that what you want? Because if you do, we could we could solve that. Right. Just charge people five dollars to get right. in. Correct. And two dollars for you'll, beers. You'll get, and you'll get you'll, lots you'll of people there. They people would tell there. you that's not what they care about. Correct. They would say we care about a certain type of people being here. No problem. That's what we that, care if, about. Okay. So now here we go. Yep. We're let's figure this out. Yep. You want people in. You want Natalie attired, mm-hmm. well-to-do, mm-hmm. Tivo Price people coming to the mm-hmm. coming to the horse race. And we'll, to be fair, we'll make. I, somebody will hear that and say they want white people there. Actually, that's not. They want high. They want high end across oh. the board, and they've catered to. Go to. We want a more diverse crowd. Well, go right. to any casino. Yep. And walk around and look at not at the ten dollar poker table. Right. Go look at the. Go sneak your head in and look at where they're playing yeah, for the five hundred yep. a hand or yep. or more. Yep. It. It ain't all white people. Yep, it's a very diverse. That's what they want. But they <laughs> I, want. They I want was di- just there. I, they I, want I, I diversity. Room. They, they want diversity with money. That's right. what they want. They want high end diversity. And I don't buy, and I still don't buy, and I never bought the the whole idea about the location of the track being an, an impediment for that race. I do buy that, and and said all along oh, for, that the track is an impediment, and it's the reason why there's no longer racing there no but for the weekend it's fun. who cares yeah, it's one weekend correct you could put the thing in federal hill nobody correct, would care correct like it, so that's not an excuse it you know in my lifetime the race has changed dramatically in terms of the they used to really be a source of pride for for baltimore it was a source of pride to have the race in baltimore when i was in my teens and 20s was a, pr- was a source of pride. Sure, it's it's not a source of pride anymore. Uh, I mean, I still think it's, it's just not. I still think it's pleasant for our city to be shown in a positive light. Ah, but you're almost forty now. Times have changed for you. Yes, that part is you're, true. You're, yeah. He, I'm saying this. Yeah. Oh, okay. just, not disrespectfully. Yeah. He he doesn't. His group of people, Griffin's yeah, they group don't of care people, about it. it's not. It's their, not it's a not, source of pride but it's, for them. But it's not for them anymore. That's the reality. The reality of what they've right. done is it's not for you. Right. It's for a right. different group of people. Right. Once I, upon I have never. Yeah. I mean, I almost feel bad about saying this because I think I should take Ethan. I've never gone to the Preakness with Ethan, and that's a real. It's different for me. It's, it's you'll see when your si- yeah. kids are sixteen. Oh no! I you start to do stuff like yeah. that championship game to me. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I'm, I totally get I, it. I wanted the Ravens to win. Don't get me wrong. Right, but, it was but in the end, experience. I didn't really yeah. care. I was go. there with my son, yep. and I had never been to an AFC Championship game in my life. Right, 
And I got to stand there and do it with my son. Right. And well, have a beer with him. I mean, and have yeah. a, a soft drink with him. It's <laughs> <laughs> not what I heard. <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Coward Hall, I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure Ethan. Yeah. Okay, everybody knows a Coward Hall. It's whiskey. I'm pretty That's sure the, Ethan yeah. didn't have a beer. Um, <laughs> no, I, I'm saying like you, you're, you'll see as you get older how these things have a, a tendency to change you know the way you view them. No, no, no. I and, I already started. And I would that. like I, I would like for us as a community, right, including people of Griffin's age, to view it as on this day. Mm-hmm. I, you've been to you if you've never been to Churchill Downs for the Derby, you you're not going to know what I talk when I what I'm about to say. You're not going to understand it. You will because yep. you've been. I've been. If you live in that community on the first Saturday in May, what do you do? That's part of it. It's it's it is their event. It is their you go patronage. to the Derby. The, oddly, the Friday is a bigger day for but, them. But but, but you, that weekend, you know what? You're, there is no making plans. That everything is centered around. This is our event. This is our thing. This is this is who we are as a people. Correct. Now we are a different type of people. Jerry Eisenberg wrote the greatest column that's ever been written about the history in the history, and he's from New York, and he wrote something about Baltimore that's that's better than what most people from Baltimore have written about Baltimore, which is in you know in Louisville it's a fairy tale, in Baltimore it's a horse race. We are just a different type. Of, you can't tell us something is perfection when we know it's not. Like we know it's a horse race. We know you're trying to profit off of. There's no like. Th- the civic galvanizing factor of it. Well, you're not giving the tickets away. You're charging a boatload of money for the tickets, and we don't have an obligation to help you profit. Like, we, we just think a different way. And here's the other thing. Horse racing there, horse racing matters. Yeah, that's a different, 100%. We, we don't have yeah, horse don't, racing here anymore. We don't, we don't care about it. We just, right. it doesn't We used to. They yeah. used to put the races up on Channel 13 yep. at night. Yep. We don't. We So it. It is different. Yep, 100% it's different. All right, hour number one of today's show I is the in the books. Wonderful. There's Drew Forrester. I'll be back. We, we take commercial breaks, you know. Drew's here. Ay, ay, ay. Today's show, Griffin, uh, quickly tell everybody what's going on at the Green Turtle uh, tomorrow, if you don't mind. Uh, at the Green Turtle, uh, they're offering something pretty cool right now and and, uh, and for the foreseeable future. If you don't know, the Green Turtle has added sports betting, and now every Thursday at the Green Turtle Sportsbooks in Towson and Canton, they're offering you a free $10 bet on whatever you would like. Uh, you can experience the ultimate destination for game day excitement, great food, and live in-person betting right now. Uh, and so go check out the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbooks in Towson and Canton. Pick up your free bet and make some money while enjoying some uh, sports and food tomorrow night. It is time for our first NFL Draft segment of the season. Joining us now, he is a longtime friend of ours, a man who loves Led Zeppelin more than he even loves the NFL Draft. He's now with Sports Kita. He is Mr. Tony Pauline, and he's back with us here on GCR. Tony, it's Glenn and Drew in Baltimore. It's always great to catch up. Thank you for taking the time for us. Thanks for having me. Uh, Led Zeppelin's one of the few things in life that never disappoints me, so that's why they'll always be number one with me. I fully understand. Tony, I was looking at your um, uh, post-Super Bowl mock draft, and I I, want to get into Darius Robinson, but more than that, I just want to talk about one of the problems we have whenever we talk about the draft right now is that like we still don't know what a team's needs are fully going to be because there's free agency, they've got to make decisions about their own guys, things like that. What would the best need be to have if you're picking 30th in the draft? What's the area where it looks like it's going to be deep end of the first round, early second round? 
offensive line, whether it be interior offensive line, whether it be offensive tackle, you're going to be get, be able to get some good offensive linemen literally through, you know, the end of the first round into that second day period. So, you know, players like Jordan Morgan, maybe uh, of Arizona, maybe Troy uh, Fatanu uh, of uh, Washington, there's going to be a lot of good offensive linemen there. Um, and that is the need to have if you're drafting at the bottom of the first round. But as we know, the draft is seven rounds, and yeah. you can be able to get good players at those positions in day two, day three as well. So let me ask it this way. If you were a team that was maybe considering the fact that Ronnie Stanley is going to cost you a lot of money and he's barely been on the field and you could designate him for post-June 1st and have some savings there, is there a world in which you could find your next left tackle holding the 30th pick in the NFL draft? Potentially. I mean, Kingsley Suamatea of uh, BYU – who played well at the Senior Bowl. He was a right tackle at BYU who went, switched to the left side, had a lot of success this year, still rough around the edges, still going to need some time to develop his game. I think he's more of a second-round prospect, but he plays that all-important all left tackle position. I think he's a guy where there may be some bumps in the road early in his career. But if you're looking at that position for the future, you know that is a guy – you look to, and the, the other guy I mentioned was uh, Troy Fanadu of Fatanu of uh, Washington. He's a little bit shorter. He's got shorter arms. Uh, so if you're stuck on the metrics of uh, the measurables, you're not going to like him. And the Ravens usually like taller tackles, but still, he was a terrific left tackle for Michael Penix, who's not the world's most mobile quarterback. He's athletic. I like him as his own blocking guard. But there may be some teams that say, you know what, we're going to try him at left tackle and leave him there until he proves otherwise. So with the 30th pick, you have the Ravens going with Darius Robinson from Missouri. I, I think that edge rush is a huge need for the Baltimore Ravens. We don't know if uh, Jadevian Clowney, Kyle Van Noy are going to be back and even what you can expect from them a year after they kind of surprised everyone and none of the young edge rushers have really stepped up for the Baltimore Ravens. How deep is it? Like, like Walk me through Darius Robinson versus, say, like Braylon Trice from Washington, some of the other players that are considered first, second round. How deep is that group, and why does Robinson stand out for you? Well, because I think he's a good system fit as far as a 3-4 defensive lineman. I think he's got, he's got an incredible body. He's sort of like Sui Matata in the sense that he's got great upside and he's going to need some time. I never had him as a first-round pick, but when I was at the Senior Bowl, as the week went on, all I heard about him was first round, first round, first round. I've got to do a lot more film work on him. But he's got great upside potential. I, I, I mean, he is an opposing, Adonis-looking sort of uh, defensive lineman, if you will. And I think he can play in a three-man front. I mean, if you're looking more for a pure pass rusher, the guy who you just mentioned, Braylon Trice, is probably a better fit. Okay. Uh, or a better pick as far as a pure pass rusher at that 30th selection. You know, you, you mentioned you don't know what team needs are, so... And these mock drafts are kind of, uh, uh, you know, they're for the fans. I, I, I mean, right. that's, that's basically what they are. They're not really legitimate at this point in time. You also have the combine. You know, so Braylon Trice goes to the combine, and he lays down an egg. He can't run under uh, four, you know, four, seven, five, and his testing numbers are uh, terrible. He's going to drop. So, you know, there's a lot of things that go into Chris Braswell of yeah. Alabama, who I feel is a second-round prospect. But he's a tremendous edge rusher. He's an incredible athlete. He's going to test off the charts at the Combine. And while I wouldn't take him at the end of the first round, we've seen some wacky things happen in those last five picks of the first round in past years. 
Uh, he is Tony Pauline, Sports Kita. He is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio for our first NFL draft segment of the year. I want to go to the wide receivers. Tony, we thought the Ravens had wide receiver figured out a year ago, but now there's some question about Odell Beckham's future. And, of course, there's a huge question mark uh, given the off-the-field stuff related to Zay Flowers. So I think you have to talk about wide receiver again. I know Troy Franklin from Oregon is one of the names that's being brought up late in the draft. I know he wasn't there. You also didn't have Keon Coleman going in the first round. Is that just a fit thing? Do you What do you feel about those wide receivers and what might be there around the 30th pick? Troy Franklin was actually in my first round going to the Kansas City Chiefs until I saw how horribly the Kansas City Chiefs tackle, tackles were. And their left tackle is the free agent. So, you know, if you want Patrick Mahomes to be effective, you better be able to protect them. So that's why I moved Troy Franklin out of the first round. Keon Mitch, Keon Coleman, I, I mean, Keon Coleman, you've got to look at the metamorphosis of the wide receiver position, case in point, Zay Flowers. I, I mean, you no longer have to be 6'2 half, 215 pounds. You no longer have to run in a low 4'3". You've got to be a good route runner, and you've got to be able to separate through your routes, and you've got to be able to find the open spot in the field. So a guy like Keon Coleman, while people love his highlights, and he's had some great highlights, when you really watch the film – he struggles getting separation through his routes, and he drops a lot of contestable passes, which mm. is a major red flag to me. Mm. If, once again, the Baltimore Ravens are going to look at receiver in the first round, which is, which is uh, yeah. I mean, I ironic if not historic, yeah. right? I, I mean, a guy to consider, if he's there, would be Brian Thomas of LSU. I just don't know if he's going to be there. I happen to like a Donnie Mitchell of Texas a lot. He was great as a freshman at Georgia got banged up his sophomore year, but when he was on the field, he was terrific. Uh, had a really good year at Texas this season with Quinn Ewers. You know, people talk about Xavier Worthy. Donnie Mitchell is the more complete receiver, bigger guy who runs good routes. I, I mean, if they want to go receiver, if Brian Thomas is there, that's the guy they got to go with. I don't think he's going to be there, but I think they, they will have some options with a variety of pass catchers. One thing that jumped out at me in going through your mock draft, uh, we get to this time every year, and everybody's, of course, all the conversation about the draft is related to the quarterbacks, and you hear people right. say things like, boy, there could be six quarterbacks that all go in the first round. You don't think that's going to prove to be the case? I mean, I had three in my first round. I could see four. I, I don't see it going uh, more than four. Bo Nix and Michael Penix did not do what they had to do at the uh, Senior Bowl to prove that they are first-round picks. And people will say, well, you keep referring to Senior Bowl. You know, look at history, whether it's Phillip Rivers, whether it's Mac Jones. I can go on and on and on about quarterbacks that just had brilliant Senior Bowl weeks and boosted their draft stock in the first round. Neither Penix nor uh, uh, Bo Nix did that. Maybe J.J. McCarthy ends up in the, in the first round, but I have a lot of issues with his game as far as being a next level uh, uh, prospect. I mean, I, I think if there's a fourth quarterback selected, it's because a team in the bottom of the round, uh, first round trades up to get uh, one of the signal callers. But none of these signal callers are, you know, after your top three, right. none of those uh, signal calls grade as true first round picks. Doesn't mean they're not going to go in the first round. Just means they're not true first-round selections. I understand that. And, of course, we've seen over the years some guys the teams maybe regretted going. You don't think there's any, like, real de- – the, the conversation that comes up every year, and it always seems like it's subterfuge, whether somebody really should be the number one overall pick, you really do think it's a slam dunk that it's Caleb Williams? I, I think so. I mean, you know, there's some momentum for Justin Fields to stay there. But, I mean, what has Justin Fields proven three years into his tenure – uh, at, at, with the Bears, except for he may be better next year. I mean, he hasn't really proven that much. 
And I think the specter of passing on a guy like Caleb Williams sticking with Justin Fields. I mean, if you do that and Justin Fields never progresses and Caleb Williams turns out to be a terrific number one quarterback, which is still a bit of a question, you know, that's how careers are ruined. Uh, I understand that. I completely get it. All right, the other area that's interesting to me, Tony, is if the Ravens – running back is a complete question mark for the Ravens right now. Both J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are free agents. Um, Justice Hill is a nice player, but certainly I don't think they would be comfortable with him as a featured back. I I wonder if later on in the draft there's somebody, particularly the Edwards role, because I think everybody's really excited about Keaton Mitchell and and if he comes back healthy, the role that he could take on moving forward with the Ravens. But the Gus Edwards role, is there a back later on in the draft that would make sense as the between the tackles, goal line to go, if the Ravens simply say, in the Lamar Jackson contract era, we can't give any money at all to running backs. We're going to have to keep drafting them. Well, I mean, any back that you take in this draft is going to be later on. Yeah. Uh, there's only one back I have that's got a second-round grade, Blake Quorum of Michigan, and he's probably going to go in the third round. It's, it's more – this year's running back class is more a bunch of situational ball carriers. There's no true dominant number one. Now, as far as what you're talking about, I mean, if you want to go in the third round, Jace McClellan out of Alabama, who's a bigger between-the-tackles, short-yardage goal-line ball carrier, who's also an outstanding pass catcher, out of the backfield. Day three, Braylon Allen of Wisconsin, who I know a lot of people have him as a day two pick, but I look at Braylon Allen, and he's basically that one-dimensional type of back that you know you were referring you know, the Ravens may need in the sense that he's strictly a between-the-tackle, downhill power ball handler. I mean, if you want to go later on, maybe Isaiah Davis of South Dakota State in the fifth round, you'll be able to get that type of back. I mean, Gus Edwards, he wasn't even drafted, was he? I mean, and, and look yeah. what he's turned into. Yeah. Uh, you'll be able to get that type of back later on in the draft. And, and again, there's no, you know, there's no dominant, you know, number one. For, there's not even a top 60 back in this draft. So all these backs are going to go third, fourth, and fifth round. All right. Before I let you go, Tony, I'm just going to ask it very generically. How good is this year's draft? I think it's solid. I, I think what happened is, like last year, we were expecting it to be much better. And, again, what's going to happen is the outside media is going to love it because of the quarterbacks at the top of the draft. And I happen to like the quarterbacks at the top of the draft. I am usually very cool on the quarterbacks. I take a step back. These three guys, uh, I, I actually like. They're, they're different types of quarterbacks, but I like their games a lot. Media is going to go crazy over it. And the thing about it, compared to the last couple of years' drafts, is where the past two years it was a defensive draft at the top. Now you're looking at offense. In fact, there may not be a defensive player selected in the top ten. And if there is, it's only going to be one. It's going to be the quarterbacks. It's going to be the wide receivers. It's going to be the offensive tackles. I think overall what happened is you had so many players go back to school for another year for their second senior year and the NIL those NIL deals made it so attractive for those underclassmen to go back and play another year and, and collect $2 million or $3 million in an NIL deal. It's kind of watered down this year's draft. What's going to happen is, a little foresight is, next year's draft is going to be stacked because that COVID year is out of the equation. Yeah. So now all of a sudden you're going to have all these six-year seniors and the fifth-year seniors and the fourth-year seniors. So next year's draft, it's going to, I don't know, it's going to be stacked at the top but you're going to have a lot of quality in the middle rounds. At Tony Pauline is how you follow him. Sports Kita is where you can find all of his stuff. And, of course, we'll link up his mock draft on our Twitter account, at Glenn Clark Radio. Tony, anything else you can plug for you, sir? 
Our mock draft stimulator at Sports Skeeter. I know, uh, you know, you talk about the mock drafts, and people like to get involved in the mock drafts. We have got a great mock draft simulator at Sports Skeeter. Be, ca- be careful because it's addictive. Once you get on it, you can't get off of it. Yeah. You can go three rounds. You can go seventh round, seven rounds. You can make trades. You can do it as fast or as slow as you like. And, you know, if you like mock drafts, here's your chance to kind of match wits against the uh, – the geniuses who make the decisions in NFL war rooms. Yeah, I did it last night, Tony, knowing you were come on, and I uh, I traded out of the first round, and the Ravens took ba- Braylon Trice in the second round, and uh, I came away I came away with both Braylon Trice and Braylon Allen, so it was a big night for me last night. I had a lot going on in my life. My wife was very. Well, proud you, you of should me. You, you should you should call the Ravens, and maybe they'll hire you, and you get you. That sounds like a pretty good uh, pretty good draft there. Uh, t- uh, Tony, always appreciate you, man. We'll look forward to doing this again as we get a little bit closer to the draft. Thanks so much for hopping on with us. Thanks for having me. It's Tony Pauline uh, with us here on GCR for our first NFL draft segment. Drew's still here. You're nuts. What? It's Valentine's Day. Yeah, what about it? I did it last no night. No one cares about the draft. Well, because we care about what? Rom-coms? <laughs> I don't know if you know this or not. Tiger's playing in the Genesis this week. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm sure your wife's very excited about that. All right, when we come back in, Paul Rabel is going to join us. A lot of women would like him to be their Valentine. He's very handsome. Uh, he'll check in with us. Oh, and, I thought you were going to say me. I'm like, no. What? No, not that. Um, yeah, not I got that some very, uh, very pressing questions for Paul. Oh, do you? Oh, yeah. Oh, what? This I could get interesting. I can't wait. Do that next, Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, it's Jeremy Kahn. This postseason, bet in person at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbooks with locations in Canton and in Towson and enjoy the best in-class sports wagering experience at their state-of-the-art facilities, bringing an unmatched sports betting thrill. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Discover your next favorite beer crafted in the heart of Charm City. At Guilford Hall Brewery, we believe beer should be flavorful and easy to enjoy. Our meticulously crafted lagers and ales are derived from centuries-old European brewing traditions, a staple for both the seasoned beer aficionado or a novice hophead. Experience beer styles that dare to showcase the exceptionality of simplicity. Visit our restaurant and brewery at 1611 Guilford Avenue or view our menu and tap map online at guilfordhall.com guilford hall brewery european tradition baltimore charm make the most out of every day in your toyota rav4 available in hybrid or gas only models a rav4 can get you where you want to go in style check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new rav4s from your local toyota dealer today there's so much focus on sports betting these days but i want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat the Casas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasInn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard, or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steamed crab orders. 
Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels, heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Hungry? With seven locations throughout Maryland, Glory Days Grill is always right around the corner. They have wings, burgers, salads, sandwiches, and drinks to satisfy everyone, as well as tons of televisions and sound delivered right to your phone. Glory Days is the best place to watch football or whatever your favorite sport is. While you're there, be sure to check out Goose Flights Lager, named in honor of legendary Raven Tony Goose Siragusa. $2 of every can is donated to the Goose Flights Foundation. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. One of the things that's definitely wrong with this country is that this dude still has a job somehow, some way. Glenn Clark. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the program. Drew is here, DrewsMorningDish.com. Would You Rather Wednesday is brought to you by Glory Days Grill, where you can find Goose Flights Lager, all seven of the Glory Days Grill locations in the state of Maryland, carrying cans of Goose Flights Lager. Can also get cans at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton, as well as at Alonzo's on Cold Spring Lane. You can find cans and six packs at Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North and the Costa Sin and Dundalk. Six packs and cases at the Wine Source in Hamden. Cool thing about Goose Flights Lager, it's not just a delicious beer, but on top of that, $198 from every can sold goes to benefit the Goose Flights Foundation. As Tony Saragusa's family has continued his vision and his legacy, providing non-emergency medical transport for those in need. If you want to check out the list of everywhere it's available, go to pressboxonline.com slash gooseflights. Enjoy yourself a Goose Flights lager today. Starting tonight, uh, down just outside D.C., the PLL Championship Series gets underway Always a pleasure to catch up with our next guest, of course, the co-founder of the PLL, former Hopkins star, and our buddy, Mr. Paul Rabel. Paul, it's Glenn. Drew Forrester is here with me today. It's always great to catch up with you, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. See you guys, of course. It's always my pleasure. Man. Fired up for the games tonight. Yeah, I know. Look, it's a bummer that the uh, the Whipsnakes aren't involved in this thing. And I, I, I start with that because, like, we know that part of what makes this event now even more important is the fact that lacrosse has been approved for the Olympics, and we know it's going to be the sixes format. I wonder if, like, has the rest of the league said, hey, hey Paul, kind of, we, we'd like to participate in this thing too because we, yeah, yeah. we, we want to show USA lacrosse that, like, we can play this style of lacrosse as well. It's a big deal for us. Yeah, I mean, Glenn, when we announced that Maryland was going to get the whip snakes, you and I did a – a show and uh couldn't be more thrilled to bring a professional lacrosse team back to my hometown and uh and, and home state and different than any other pro team across any major sport being able to capture the entire dmv into annapolis and the baltimore i think is pretty cool um 
We built our championship series in anticipation of getting into the Olympics, which was announced last October. That's why we did sixes. It's a version of the game. I think it's the most exciting and most understandable for a non-lacrosse fan because it's just like hoops back and forth. Um, we also took a page out of the Champions League in Europe, and the way to qualify is finish in the top four. So it creates, during our regular season, some additional debate and excitement as you get to the back part of the regular season schedule where the top two teams are fighting for to secure a bye like the nfl the bottom two teams are fighting to make the playoffs and the middle two teams are, are fighting to qualify for the champ series i get it i just imagine everybody else wants to be a part of it i just i like i really do wonder not like, good enough no not no good it's, enough. paul i'm not telling you how to run your business you got that figured out i'm not that i just really do imagine that there are guys that are like i want to be a part of this thing and how do i get my shot to show that i can play this? it's such a different world right like i'm sure you've been yeah. thinking about that i i don't know how else you know the guys that are playing for the whips i don't know how you know these guys well they got to finish it they got to finish in the top go. four there you go that's your answer, um, so right? that so that'll be good. I mean, they, the Whips have won two PLL championships out yeah. of our five seasons. Yeah. So they're perennial. I think they just they finished just outside of the top four this past season. But honestly, the the other thing that I'll mention that Glenn is is as sixes gets more and more popular, especially internationally. Right, three mm -hmm. and a half billion people are going to watch it in twenty twenty eight. Right, as it gets more popular. I think our championship series will extend and get bigger, and it's possible that all eight teams will come in 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 a few years to sort of accentuate that growth. But what I want to keep is sixes, obviously our summer tens. And so you have two properties on opposing sides of the calendar that different teams show up better in than others. One of the best players, I think, in sixes format is Romar Dennis. He plays for the Redwoods. Yeah, yeah. He won the Golden Stick last year before he was traded to the Redwood, Redwoods when he played for Atlas. He's a specimen. I mean, he, he'll score 20, 30 goals in, over the course of this week. And uh, and so that that's an exciting part and a differentiator because he didn't have that many all season in, in the summer. Uh, of course, uh, I had him at Loyola. That, that guy, that guy is a beast, man. He is a he, he is he's the definition of a hoss, like a unit. Yeah. man. So, Paul, here's a question for you. I'm going to go back to my my old days in the indoor soccer business. Um, obviously the indoor game, the outdoor game were dramatically different, same as in lacrosse. Um, but what we found over time was certain outdoor players didn't necessarily make good indoor players. And obviously some indoor skills you could kind of translate to outdoor and some indoor guys wound up going to MLS because the indoor game helped their skill. Is there any correlation between the sixes and the air quotes here, the regular lacrosse that we've all grown up with that you can say, yeah. hey, this this kid might not have been a great regular lacrosse player, but boy, his skill set fits really nice when the field's more open or bigger. Yeah, I mean, it's a great call out. So I actually agree with you and have studied football quite a bit. So outdoor and indoor, or even futsal in Brazil. Um, and, and, you know, what indoor does or what sixes does is it creates a smaller environment in both soccer and lacrosse where there are more touches right. of the ball. So you develop different sort of intricate skills that sometimes makes its way and applies well to the field game, uh, but not all the time. And the flip side is on the field side of lacrosse, you the, the, the field's larger, obviously, and the shots have more range. The athleticism, I think, from from your pace and your agility, 
you could you should you could sort of create opportunity there on a bigger pitch, much like in in soccer. Um, so the two the two aren't one to one in that way, which makes it exciting. But I think indoor helps you develop into a better outdoor player. And the best, you know, call it skill based players, the guys who I think, frankly, upstairs have a have that scoring mentality. They do really well in, in the Olympic format. You you didn't need a whole lot of help as a player, but would <laughs> but but would a would a twenty year old Paul Rabel have benefited from sixes? A thirty five year old Paul Rabel would have benefited from sixes definitely gotcha. when I was twenty and twenty five. I mean, I grew up playing hoops in the DMV. Uh, went to Dematha, so uh, the um, you know the 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 basketball was in the water there, and uh, I think the format for me was would have been great because I like to get up and down, shoot on the run, I like to cut. So you see, I think look, eight minute quarters, and there's about one and a half times as many possessions as the outdoor game that has 12 minute quarters. Right. So it shows you the pace back and forth, which is always fun for a fan. Right. By the way, I'm glad you brought up soccer. It reminds me that my career athletic record against Paul Rabel, one and oh. Penalty kicks or something? Nah, halftime soccer. Is it Baltimore Blast? Yeah. Hell, yeah, game it was. <laughs> Hell yeah, it was. 1-0 all-time against Paul Rabel. Kicked his ass. Actually, uh, actually it was limited, ball. actually. I remember being pissed <laughs> off about Have that. you, um, you know, Paul, I, I had talked to you before as a, a long time ago, when I back in another life when I was on the radio. Um, have you figured out the business part of this yet to where you're satisfied, meaning – I know it was always discussion, right? Across players never got paid enough. They always had yeah. to work two jobs. It wasn't that dissimilar to indoor soccer in my old days. Right. Um, right. And then you came up with the vision for this league, which uh, your hope, I know, was to have these guys be able to make a real, true living at lacrosse and also be paid commensurate with what their skill sets were when compared to other athletes. Are you? Where are you on that journey? We are... We are very pleased with our journey thus far. You know, there's been 200 leagues, most people don't know, started since 1990 in America with a 1% success rate. And that is designated by lasting longer than three years, which most leagues don't. They turn over. Right. Uh, so we've built a sustainable model, but I'm not satisfied. Uh, I want to become a top five team sports league in North America. Much like how you mentioned arena soccer, but also MLS struggled to get players, sure. you know, sort of elevated wages for its first 10 years. Um, we have immediately financed that. So our players, you know, we're getting four or five times, in some cases, 10 times what I was getting when I was playing in MLL. They have health care. They have stock options in the league, which is the tip of the cap to what I believe, you know, the pioneers of the NFL would have loved to have had knowing that their wages were far, far lower than what Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson's getting today. Um, so we, we try to study the, the entire business. Um, and then related to, you know, the evolution of our league, we were tour based so that we could uh, control cost, optimize for network partnership, and frankly, had a practical view on the total lacrosse audience size. I mean, it's, it's not as big as football or basketball in America. But it's getting there. There's now 45 million lacrosse fans, according to MRI Simmons. So from the business standpoint, we are still touring because it's been advantageous for us. But now that our eight teams have home cities, you could anticipate a future 
where they own venues, we joint venture with other league owners on venue ownership, or, uh, you know, or, or those teams and those teams, I should say, end up in markets for a traditional home and away schedule. He is Paul Rabel. Again, the PLL Championship Series is this week at the St. James and across the ESPN networks. And then, as Paul brings up, the Maryland Whipsnakes will be at home the weekend of August 2nd through the 4th, playing a couple of games at Homewood Field. Paul, I, I wonder what's, you know, in the early going of this, what has that looked like? And, and you and I talked about the vision for down the road, and I was so encouraged by the timeline that you laid out for when you hope to have this look more like home and away for these teams as you made the announcements and got the responses from these markets, has that impacted at all what the timeline might look like for when the Maryland Whipsnakes are truly more based here and people operating out of here and there being more of a home yeah. and away schedule? Yeah, we when you and I talked, I remember we we were putting the sort of the marker around the Olympics, yep. 27, 28. Um, what we've seen early are indications that our fans and our players are invested in their markets and are really excited about it. I mean, there was a fight that broke out during a scrimmage last night between uh, the cannons and the water dogs. And all of a sudden it became Boston Philly. <laughs> you know, because people, <laughs> people can kind of, they know what that DNA is like. Um, and so that, that's cool to see. And then the other piece, Glenn is we've had uh, a number of, you know, call them NBA, NFL, major league baseball owners come knocking on our door since announcement and saying, uh -huh. Hey, uh, we want a team. And so that could be a, it is a leading indi indicator, but it could also be a forcing mechanism for, for pace. Wow. Is that, does that impact like the idea of expansion? Does it impact the, I, I don't know what's practical. Like, I mean, this is, yeah. Yeah. I, like, is, is it possible that before we get to those dates that there's four more teams and four more markets? It's possible. You know, I would say we want to continue to develop as much pound for pound punch as we can when pro lacrosse is on any size screen. Um, and the expansion is a path to be taken more uh, seriously, I would say, if we have individual owners with teams, because it's essentially a liquidation event. As you bring in more teams, the owners you know, sort of split their share of a franchise fee. And then you also get more tonnage on network, you get more sponsorship opportunities, so national revenues grow. Um, given that we're tour-based, having eight teams really works well because we can right. do four games per stop. Um, but I would say, yeah, like, you know, we will be expanding. It's a matter of when versus if. The the home field, of course, you, I know how much Homewood Field means to you. I know how important it is. I also know that when we talked, you brought up the idea that markets could be looking at lacrosse-specific stadiums, and we get the advantage, right? We saw that with MLS. You get to own the parking revenue. You get to own the concession revenue. There's huge advantages to that. How much specifically for our market are you weighing those things, like the importance that the PLL is playing at Homewood Field because it's, you know, it's the home of lacrosse, right? Like it is the hallowed ground. It's Fenway Park. It's whatever you want to call it versus that interest in maybe owning your own facility. Yeah, I mean, look, both are are really interesting to us. We will be as part of our home teams in these homecoming weekends that we're playing. We'll be dressing up the venues as if it feels like the Maryland Whipsnake Stadium. So we've negotiated that into our leases. So that'll look different than in years past where you come to a PLL weekend 
now you're coming to a Maryland Whip Snakes weekend, and that's why the home team plays twice on both days. Cool. So there's always a home game. Um, related to the Baltimore market, related to wider, more widely Maryland, um, you know, we're already having conversations. We're we're familiar with the venues that are being built um, on the other side of the harbor. Uh, we're we're looking at even as far out as what Ted Leonsis and his group is is looking to do in Northern Virginia with. Uh, monumental sports so that there's a there's a lot of interest in real estate development around sports teams and leagues so we we need to get as smart as possible on it and then I think we have some pretty good plans around what a lacrosse specific stadium might look like you know Paul there's so many synergies it's amazing to to my days in indoor soccer I was there from 1981 through 1998 and in the infancy of the league and the infancy of the blast um and then, funny uh, fun fact is, I was actually the stick boy for Maryland Lacrosse when Arlie Marshall was the coach way back in the old days, like Darkangelo and Greeby and all those guys. They, Don't and, get him started about his time as play-by-play guy at Hopkins. That's either. right, Legend. one year, yeah, Je- one yeah. year, one year with Jeff, the great Jeff Cook. Um, but the, the the thing that I go back to in the old days of like Maryland Lacrosse and Mount Washington, what you may or may not know because it was way before your time. They, these guys were superstars in the lacrosse community, and there was no real pro league then. Um, and, and I think the challenge for lacrosse has always been, how do we take it from a spectator sport, I mean, from a participation sport to a spectator sport? I mean, uh, to me, and now if I'm wrong, tell me, but I think that's always been your challenge, right? And the more 100%. of these people you get to play, the better your chances are of turning them in to ticket buyers at some point, I would assume. Yeah. And I, I talked to Adam Silver about uh, participation to fandom because he's a, a phenomenal commissioner and, and student of our business. And we look at, for example, dwindling participation in contact football, uh, virtually no participation in mixed martial arts. Yet the NFL and the UFC continue to climb in attendance and viewership and such. So one on one side of the coin is look we're in the business of sports that means we're in the business of of entertainment right and we need to be able to attract non lacrosse non lacrosse participation into our fan circles all that said you're right and this is what adam says uh you're you're three times more likely to buy a car if you test drive it so the NBA is still trying to get basketballs in the hands of everyone around the world because then they are three times more likely to watch the NBA. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way. That's why we have a 501c3 that works with a number of community organizations, YMCA, Boys and Girls Clubs. We put goals on field. We put sticks in hands. We want to get people familiar with the game, thereby more likely to watch it. Um, I would say, you know, I studied indoor soccer quite a bit as I have the UFC and F1 and the Premier League and the NFL and the NBA. Um, to your point. I can tell you all the mistakes that indoor soccer made. <laughs> if you ever want to get coffee, I'll tell you all of them. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally down. I, I, I have a thirst for learning as much as possible. So none of those leagues, the NFL struggled for relevance right. in the early 1900s. It was all college. The M- NBA really struggled up to the 80s. They had a horrible reputation. Different reasons, NFL versus NBA. And if you take MLS, their biggest challenge was European football. Yeah, get, so big. getting the players, right. Yeah. Yep. So they're they're not the primary league. So for us, the advantage is we are the thing. We have the best players in the world. If you're interested in seeing the best players in the world play professional lacrosse, boom, no matter where you are in the world. 
So beyond that, it's getting people familiar with the game at the pro level. It's getting them excited about the game at the pro level. It's like a full suite of marketing. Um, I think it's about branding the league well, marketing its players, getting great network deals like we have with ESPN that gives us exposure. I mean, the thing that I'll say to this, Drew, is we are hoping and now heading into our third year out of four with ESPN to continue to get great coverage across their shoulder programming, additionally on social. That's the type of the stuff that they did for the UFC 10 years ago. Because now all of a sudden they're the ones that are putting the megaphone to their mouth and and shouting about professional lacrosse. Well, man, I got to tell you, you uh, I don't know that you need a pat on the back, but um, you're you're doing it right, and you I think you realize this. It is a total marathon, man. It is not a sprint, and soccer is a great blueprint for this because 40 years ago when the NASL was failing, you would have never thought we were going to have two World Cups in in, in my lifetime. Um, and I would have never, I would have lost the bet on MLS. I was in the soccer business, and when they talked about MLS, I said, it will never work. And now they're getting $250 million for a franchise. So it just takes time and smarts, and you got to be willing to think outside the box a little bit. And I think you're doing all those things. Thank you. Yeah, and, and we're constantly innovating and enhancing things like our broadcast. So. Fans will see tonight our first games at 5.30 on ESPN2 of, of this championship series, and it's the Redwoods Cannon. so you have California and Boston. Um, they'll see tonight what we call as a jib camera, essentially a, a, a sky cam. So you have this crane that like shoots out over the field and has a, a camera with a gimbal on it. It's going to give a really unique point of view in addition to the seven game cams. And then we're going to take a page out of the old XFL book Believe it or not, and we've been working with one of our great athlete camera operators. We call it the RF cam, but essentially it's it, it's what sports fans have gotten familiar with as the 8K uh, during other broadcasts. So he's going to have that and be on field at times. So you literally get this point of view uh, that lacrosse has never seen. So being able to do some innovative stuff like that will only help, in my opinion, uh, engage more lacrosse fans and bring non-lacrosse fans in. PremierLacrosseLeague.com to find out more about the championship series. Get down to the St. James this weekend, or as Paul mentioned, the ESPN2, ESPN Plus throughout the course of the weekend for games. And, Paul, you know we're going to have to chat again before uh, the book comes out. I can't wait to dive in. Uh, May 7th, right, is the release date? May 7th, book is out nationwide. We will make sure that we chat then. My friend, always appreciate you. I uh, can't wait to see what's next, and I know no doubt that we'll be talking again real soon. Thanks for hopping on with us this morning. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Paul Rabel with the Sierra and GCR. It's pretty amazing the the synergies between the two sports, and I do think he's, I do think he's a frontiersman a little bit, and and probably exactly what the league needs. Um, indoor soccer started with two business guys, Ed Tepper and Oral Foreman, who were not soccer people at all, um, but they saw the they saw the the connection between the indoor arena, no equipment, being able to see the yep. faces of the players, um, the, their their legs. For I mean, honestly, <laughs> part of the whole thing of the appeal back then of indoor soccer was the I'll just call it sexuality, but just the appeal of the of the male sure. athlete. Um, and they and they got it right. Now they made a lot of mistakes along the way, and I I think indoor soccer today, in some ways, is still making a lot of those mistakes. But in some ways, they they saw those and they moved on. But 
he's on to something. I, and I think part of it is the format. They're, they're, and hockey would do very, very well to look at this. There is something about the fewer people on the field, the more scoring chances. People always say this. You, sports got to have scoring. It doesn't have to have scoring. What it has to have is scoring chances. Sure. That's yeah. why the offsides rule in soccer is dumb. Yeah, that, it's completely idiotic. I, I don't. You. I don't feel as strongly as you do, but I think that but the you, punitive way that they use right. it is insane. It, correct. Yeah. This. Yeah. This narrow. This yeah, camera. There's a, finger, there's a fingernail. It, it's that's, incredible. That's not what offsides. What supposed people to be. in this country want to see are scoring. Yeah. Chances. Opportunities. We don't. It yeah. does, the, the lacrosse games don't need to be 24-23. Yeah. Right. Just action. Action right. is what so I do think he's he's onto that. I think one of the biggest things that helps them more than more than he said, not because he was ignoring it, is they have the best lacrosse players in the world right here. Yep. Yeah. I mean, occasionally is some kid come out of Canada who's great. Yep. Sure. Is there one English kid who turns out to be great? Australian. Sure. Yep. There was an Indian kid that played at yep. Cornell. Well, I, there's been a few. Right. Native American. But uh, yes. I, I right. Right. Um. We have the best players here, and if you even remotely know lacrosse, mm-hmm. you know that. Yep, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So, I, I, he's on. He, it's I, a marathon. We now. could talk about this for yeah. hours. We got to get to Kylie McDaniel here, but I, I understand what you're saying, and I, my thought process evolved. The touring thing always threw me off. I hated it, but understanding his, I see vision, the logic in it. His, his vision for this was not a permanent thing. Right. This was how we were able to do this in order to get to where we want to be changed a lot of my thinking sure, about sure, sure. The, the PLL. All right, let's get into some baseball conversation this morning. I don't even know how we do this because the Orioles are going 110. Right, yeah, and you're not worried about their prospects anymore. I get it. I get it. They're going to win 110 games. is uh, the expert for not just prospects, the MLB draft at ESPN. And always appreciate him taking the time for us as he's got the Orioles once again at number one. But I think he has some interesting thought processes there. Kylie, it's Glenn and Drew in Baltimore. It's so great to catch up with you. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. I cannot help you on lacrosse. No, uh, good. You should hear the panic I hear when I do radio <laughs> interviews in like Toronto, St. Louis, San Diego. Uh-huh. They lose their mind every time I go on. So, Kylie, what's fascinating is I I completely understand, and I I don't know. You could explain to me more about how your monetary value system works, but I appreciate what you're saying as it leads into some of the things that I have been thinking about recently related to the Orioles. Yes, the Orioles still have the number one farm system and all of baseball in part because Jackson Holiday still counts but there has to be a recognition that it's starting to come to the downside of that because players have graduated and they're not going to continue to just have this pipeline that's never ending of players to fortify this yeah and in part that's because of the uh the spots in the big leagues aren't there anymore so then you start trading guys like Joey Ortiz where for a lot of teams he'd be their top prospect and or in Milwaukee's case like a guy that's going to be starting for them on opening day a team that could make the playoffs uh and with Baltimore he was just like some extra guy that was probably going to sit triple a all year um yeah so like the short version of this is um when I was working at Fangraphs we did not like the idea of uh, Eric Long and Hagen and I having to rank farm systems where you just have a list of 30 guys next to a list of 40 guys and you got to look at both lists and then be like, ah, this one's better than that one. And then just do it 30 times and then, you know, compare each one. And it's just like, it's too many data points. And there's been some, you know, uh, scientific studies that say that the number of data points you can actually hold in your head at one time and compare to another is like somewhere in the single digits. Like that's the reason phone numbers are that length. So the idea that you can contain the multitudes that each player is, all 30 of them, and compare it to 30 other ones, much less 29 other ones, is sort of silly. 
So what we did is we had uh, Craig Edwards, who now works for the Major League Baseball Players Association, go through all the historical top 100s and scale everything to the, the way that we do prospect uh, rankings, which is the way I still do the BDSPN, and give us a dollar value for each player based on how good th- that kind of player has been over the last mm-hmm. 50 or so years. Um, and it's for the six years of control you get before they hit free agency, because after that, it's sort of luck if they stay or not. And so then when each player gets a dollar value, you just add them all up. And the thing to me that was most interesting is if you were to ask, you know, GMs, AGMs, directors of pro scouting, hey, the 50th best player on the top 100, you know, whatever kind of player you think that is, how many of the 250th best player do you think you could get? And they would laugh and be like, oh, like 10 or 12. And the answer is like actually 20 or 25. Like it's even more extreme than you think it is. And so when I'm adding up the numbers of the how good the players are monetarily in each farm system, the teams that have guys in the top 50 or 75, that drives like 90% of the value. And sure. so the Orioles having Holiday at one, all these guys in the top 100 for all these years, that makes the makes it much easier to get to one. The depth, while their depth is good, the depth doesn't really matter. Those guys are literally one and two million dollars for your 10th or 12th guy. So here's a, it's going to take me a second to ask you this. From the standpoint, and I know there's different positions, obviously, that you're always ranking pitchers and we'll just call the rest of them field players, for lack of a better term. What is the What's the one thing that a prospect, and let's just talk field players for now, what's the one thing a prospect does from a data standpoint that you're now starting to find? Because you just said you went back and looked at all these top 100s. What's the one thing in golf right now everyone talks about clubhead speed? I'm a golf coach. If a kid comes to me with 120-mile-an-hour clubhead speed, I can make him into a golfer. I don't care where it's going. I'll, I'll make him into a player if he's swinging 120 miles an hour. Is there something right now in baseball that equates to that where if this kid does this, he, he's going to be a, a, a top prospect? And I'll use field players for now. Yes, actually, if you were to – so there's the guys over at Driveline that do – are at the kind of cutting edge of this sort of stuff. They have said that the Olympic sports and golf were like ahead of baseball. It's typically when you when you go to like football and talk about analytics and going for it on fourth down and all that. Right. Uh, they'll say, "Oh, baseball was way ahead of us," and it turns out those sports are actually ahead of baseball uh, when it comes to dialing this stuff in. So the same company that I'm sure uh, probably with both baseball and golf, you're familiar with TrackMan, sure, where they'll give you all these data points. You know, every three inches, the ball is here, and then it's there, and it's off the club head, launch the angle, head, right? You know, right. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff started there. Um, that is the stuff that is in every minor league park. They're now coming up with upgraded versions of it. So when you see StatCast in the big leagues, that's now filtering. There are colleges that have it now where it is TrackMan that gives you the details of the pitched ball and the batted ball, but then now it can map for like 30 times a second where every fielder is and where each of their limbs are pointing and things like that. So you don't have to put a knob on the bat to know how quick a bat is. You can just tell what everyone's bat speed is on every swing and every location, all that kind of stuff. Right. Now that has gotten to a point where only in the last year or two teams are actually know what to do with it. Like I, a, a team told me we had all the stat cast data. We had three years of it. We don't know if we can trust it yet. We have all of it. We have all the numbers. We know what we think it means. We don't have enough history to actually make a decision based on it. And this was like two or three years ago. So that's just now getting to where teams know what to do with it. But that track man data, we've had a version of that for at least 10. It's been in every minor league stadium for like six or seven years now. So we have like a lot of history with that. I, when I was working for teams in 2011, 2012, we had it then. Um, so the stuff you're looking for primarily with hitters would be exit velocities and, you know, each individual uh, batted ball, not that big of a deal, but they'll break it down into, and this is like, you know, every single person in an organization will get these sorts of numbers. So they find their way to me or the other prospect rankers. Uh, and that is like 90th 
percentile exit velo. So that's like the top 10% of hardest balls you hit, which is a measure of how hard can you hit it, but then how hard can you hit it often and in the game. So that's usually like the best measure of usable raw power. And then there are some uh, measures that we'll use where they'll classify a ball either in or out of the strike zone. And you can then take how often they swing at those pitches for pitch selection, how often they put the bat on them, even foul balls for bat control. And so you can take those components that now is like teasing out going to that second or third level of the TrackMan data. You then can find analogs for what those scouting things are that people have been making decisions based on for 50 years. And that's what I end up using is give me the automated version of a, of a tool grade. I'll have my own in-person tool grades when I see these guys. I can go on video. I can ask other people. But now we're all sort of speaking the same language. We used to be hit them where they ain't. Right. Now, right. It's, now, it's, no, now it's hit it as hard as you can. <laughs> Kyla <laughs> McDaniel with us from ESPN. I do think that's interesting because I would say that one of the discrepancies that people have had at some of the prospect rankers with the Orioles is, is Bisayo 2 or is Mayo 2 right now in the system. You have Mayo 2, and I'm wondering if that's purely because – the dude just hits the crap out of the baseball, and there's no way to think that's not translatable. Uh, well, if you so the way that I do it is I index it for age, which that assumes that everyone's exit velo goes up the same amount by each year, which is yeah. obviously not the case, but it gives you an idea. Masayo is like one of the best for his age group. Like, yeah, I think he's already above average for the big leagues as a teenager. So if that was all I was going off of, I would have gone with him. Uh, with Mayo, it, it also comes down to what position you're going to play. If Masayo's not a catcher, he's probably a first baseman. Mayo is either third base with a good shot to stick there, but if he's not there, then he's probably first base. So the defensive value is similar. Um, but for me, it's like one guy's in AAA, and I've known him since he was 16 and has sure. continually gotten better each year and has sort of beat expectations. And Masayo was a somewhat of an afterthought when he signed internationally like two or three years ago. And the track record of the, like, might swing and miss, has big power, might be a catcher, might be a first baseman, like – that's littered with a lot of misses, despite how advanced he actually is. So I kind of lean toward the guy with a little more track record, even though his upside is not quite as high. I think the chance that he you know, becomes a good big leaguer is much higher. So let me let me touch on that if I could, because I have heard people suggest that Samuel Basayo could be like the Orioles' next number one overall prospect after, obviously, Jackson Holiday is going to graduate very soon here. And I, I, even to the point where it's being talked about, you, you bring up the Orioles are now get, dipping into – their farm system in order to acquire players and try to take advantage of the opportunity they have now. There's been a suggestion that Samuel Basayo should be the next name that's utterly untouchable for the Orioles. That you can't do that. He is the guy. The way that you're describing him, particularly if he's not going to be a catcher, is he really that guy or is he just another really good prospect? Well, I, I would think of it in terms of, so in basketball, the draft, I think the decision-making process is different than it is in baseball because one star player, if you, if you draft Giannis, it changes your entire franchise. It like doubles the franchise worth. You're in the playoffs every year. And so taking that wild swing for the upside guy is one of those things you kind of have to do or do at one point. And then once you get Steph Curry, then you can start being a little more uh, conservative. In baseball, you kind of have to have 15 guys to have a playoff team. And some of these guys you can sign in free agency, and some guys you'll get on minor league deals. But, like, your core guys, you're either trading a lot for, paying a lot for, or drafting them for a lot of money, or developing them really well, and you need a lot of them. And so with Basayo, it's like he could be that guy that is the, you know, first or second best player on a playoff team, or he might be nothing. Like, it's still, it's still early. He's probably a big leaguer of some kind. He's going to have some power. But I think of it more as that lottery pick that played one year in college where you're like, this guy, the variance is huge. He could be anything. But in basketball, you want variance because could be anything means he could be the best player in the league. And in baseball, that's great. 
but you need 15 guys that are pretty good. And so you can't have a system full of those guys. And so it kind of comes down to the way that Michael Elias or these guys want to think about the farm system because the infield is almost entirely rookies now. So like is Toby Mayo now tradable just because like, if you think he's the fourth best one out of the guys playing second, short, third, then he can't really play. He's just like a DH. Right. So that guy's expendable. I think Joey Ortiz was seen as, um, and Daryl Hernandez, who were both traded, they might be like opening day starters at shortstop for teams this year, but they weren't going to start for the Orioles. So those guys are a little more expendable, and they weren't going to be superstars. They were going to be pretty good players. We'll see if they are. So if they think that, like, you know, Kobe Mayo is like a two-war, you know, like average to a little above player that plays a position where they've already got a better option, that guy's way more tradable. And then you want to hang on to the Basayos. Given where they are, the highest upside guys, um, those are the guys you hang on to because those are the guys that might break into this lineup or the guys that might be okay. They've already proven that they're okay giving those guys away. All right, let's really get the cart before the horse now. Give us a data kind of comparison if you have one. The the highest upside that Holiday has in in comparison to, to someone we all know, you know, that obviously has, has played in the league and or is playing in the league now. Ooh, okay. Hold on. Let me let me pull up last year's hitter leaderboard and see, and see what we got here. I love that. Uh, okay, so so I'm looking. I'm actually looking at the the tracking data I have on Holiday. So if you want to project him and be a little a little on the high side on everything, you could say he would hit you know 280 with a 12 percent walk rate with 25 homers and play an average shortstop which that is pretty close to like Francisco Lindor's good season. Okay. Obviously not the same player. The, the way it looks might not be exactly the same, right? but the, the outcome like last season, uh, let's see Lindor, he actually 255, uh, but he had that walk rate, had those homers, was a little better at shortstop and a little faster, but like give or take the best version of that. If you just look at the stat line could be like top 10. I mean, that was the eighth best war in baseball last year. So top 10 player in the game is like technically the upside. Okay. Um, but even though, even though he's right there, it's like, I mean, he still could also just be like, you know, a better version of JJ Hardy. Like that's sort of like the lower end of what you can say. Right. By the way, we'd, we'd still right. take that. Like that would still be right. good. But yeah, I think that's still a good player, but I think yeah. expectations, like yep. I, I don't think I put a button on it earlier when I was saying that like the 10th or 12th best guy in your system. So last year, the Orioles took Jackson Bowmeister in the second round. His prospect value on my system is a million, million and a half. Jackson holidays is 112 million. Um, so the, the math would say you'd take 50 holidays or 50 Bowmeisters to get to a holiday, maybe more 60 or 70. And that's like the, I think it was the 15th guy on their list. Like he's really good and a very good system. And it's still like wildly, not even close to being as valuable as holiday. Let me put it out this way. Um, the thing that I started talking to you about the, the fact that there, the depth is starting to dwindle a little bit. I have wondered if it's time now with, with new ownership of the Orioles and if they are willing to spend money, is it time for them to consider, like, if somebody really is a part of this thing? If, like, you're looking at Kobe Mayo and where is the place for Ryan Mountcastle? And I'm not suggesting that Ryan Mountcastle is going to land you top prospects, but is it time for them to also start thinking about fortifying their system by trading away guys that truthfully aren't going to be a part of this thing long term because they're going to need to fortify without having the top draft picks in the coming year? So there's a couple of different ways we've seen teams approach this. So like obviously Michael Elias came from Houston. Their approach was basically if you're one of these core players, the uh, Bregman, Altuve, those yeah. guys, we lock them up as soon as we identify them. And if you look at like I'm in Atlanta, that was another version where they have a, a similar payroll constraint. And it was basically like once we think you are a core player for the next three or four years, we'll just sign you up now. And they have lucked out some that there haven't been yeah. a bunch of guys at big agencies. <clears throat> 
haven't been a lot of guys that had huge bonuses out of the draft. So they were internationally. And so they were willing to take, you know, early in the career discounted extensions. I can guarantee without actually knowing that the Orioles have approached multiple young players about extensions and just knowing who some of these players agents yep. are. I've been told by other agents. I saw the agent telling the young player, you're worth more than this. Um, and you probably guess who some of those guys are. Yep. Um, I think they're looking to be like, hey, this guy's going to be a part of our, our future, but sometimes they're just not interested in that or their agent tells them not to be or the family's not, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but then you can also look at Tampa if, you, if the payroll is at that level, which would obviously be like a bad scenario for, for O's fans. Uh, and basically once a guy gets to arbitration, he's either gotten an extension or he gets traded. Like that's just the way they approach it. If you're at that level of being able to produce players and find value and that level of payroll, that's just what you do. That The guy gets an extension before he gets to arbitration or maybe somebody like Tyler Glasnow is really good. He just rides through arbitration because he wants to hit free agency, which I guess he, he got his payday this year. Um, you just sort of have like an A, B, maybe C um, for those players and everybody just goes through it, in which case you're approaching Holiday and all those guys. And then, you know, there's a version where Holiday gets to year five, he's on the verge of free agency and you're like, all right, well, we either take our comp pick or we trade him. Um, like that, that's like the reality of those kinds of guys. If they don't want to sign an extension and you're not the team that's going to give them 200 to keep them. And we've seen say Boston really waffle on that stuff and not sign Bogerts and let Mookie go and then give it to Devers. And there's, you know, the, the Dodgers didn't sign anybody to nine figure deals. And then all of a sudden they gave them to Betts and they gave them to Freeman <clears throat> and then Otani and then Yamamoto, but they let Grinky and Machado and a bunch of guys walk first. So there's like a number of different ways to approach this. I think it depends on, who the players are, who the agents are, what your options are, what the payroll is going to be. Those are just things we don't know. So I, I'll wrap with this, right? The the player that you find that you love even more than everybody else does, that's not a top five guy, the guy that's a little bit further down the list that you just say, I, I think this guy is going to be somebody we're going to be talking about a lot more. Who is that? Uh, so that would be Matthew Etzel. Yeah. Uh, I ranked. I ranked him 11th. So this is like an interesting story. So he was a junior college outfielder in Texas. But as far as I know, all 30 teams had not turned in in the 2021 draft. He then goes to the MLB Draft League, which is right before the draft, and is like off the charts in terms of he doesn't strike out. He has huge contact rates. He's a plus runner that's a center fielder. He was a former football guy that was recruited to Texas A&M for both sports, got hurt, didn't play, transferred to a junior college. Nobody had him turned in. And so he stands out as clearly the best guy in this league. And he's playing like some pro level guys. Some guys will get three or 400 K in this league. So it's like, you know, like rookie ball competition. And he's 19. He's performing pretty well. And then I talked to some teams, I talked to the agent and they're like, yeah, he got offers for like 125 K 175 K like just like the, the minimum or the maximum you can kind of give a guy that you don't really think much about. Cause they didn't know who he was until two weeks before the draft. So you can't really revise uh, what you were doing. So he goes, then goes to Southern missing. He can make more money has a just okay uh, season. You know, it's not the best player on, on a mid-major team. Ends up going in, I think it's the eighth or ninth round. And then he signs and immediately looks like the guy that was in the MLB draft league that had all the tools that was performing, that looks like he could be that guy. And then you go look at some of the TrackMan stuff, and it's like, yeah, this says he might hit 20 home runs and play center field. Like, how did this guy just go in the ninth round? Like, what was happening at Southern Miss? Like, what clicked? And I haven't quite put it all together yet. Um, but that's the thing that this Orioles team has been doing is whether it's Basayo or Kobe Neo or, you know, some of these guys that have been lower picks, lower bonuses, maybe there was a flaw with them that they, at a higher rate than other teams are figuring out those flaws or figuring out how to tease out the thing they're good at that wasn't playing or dialing in the swing or, you know, whatever it might be, they've been better than most teams at both the scouting and the development end of it. And it sounds like Etzel, somebody that I was 
kind of early on and then was told like, don't worry about this guy. He's going to go in the eighth or ninth round. It's like, okay, that was right. But it wasn't right that he's not very, very good. And the Orioles seem very excited about what they found. Uh, he looked very good early on. There's no question about that. Kylie McDaniel. It's at Kylie McD on Twitter is how you can follow him. Uh, is there anything in particular we can plug for you? Uh, no, we just did all the, um, all, all the top 100, all the yep. team rankings, the farm rankings, and we'll have draft rankings coming soon. Uh, I think I might have a picks to click. We're just doing all of our sort of preseason prospect stuff uh, at ESPN.com and and at my Twitter. I'll kind of tweet out all those links. So yeah, just stay tuned there. I'm uh, I'm in my my heavy season of writing right now. Uh, always appreciate it, man. Thank you for taking some time for us this morning. Looking forward to doing it again soon. All right. Yep. Thank you. Thanks, Kylie. Kylie McDaniel with us here on GCR. Uh, let's play Would You Rather Wednesday when we come back in. We'll grab a break and then we'll uh, go over Would You Rather Wednesday. Get a tidbit, two bit to wrap things up. If you missed Stan Ross and Scotty McGregor earlier this week, you can find that show right now, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Click on the videos tab, go to youtube.com slash pressboxonline or pressboxonline.com slash video. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on. Where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Casas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. Fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasIn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels. Heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Discover your next favorite beer crafted in the heart of Charm City. At Guilford Hall Brewery, we believe beer should be flavorful and easy to enjoy. Our meticulously crafted lagers and ales are derived from centuries-old European brewing traditions, a staple for both the seasoned beer aficionado or a novice hophead. Experience beer styles that dare to showcase the exceptionality of simplicity. Visit our restaurant and brewery at 1611 Guilford Avenue or view our menu and tap map online at guilfordhall.com. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm. 
The latest edition of PressBox is available now, and it's our very special annual best of issue. On the cover, we celebrate Orioles manager Brandon Hyde as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, and the Orioles as our Team of the Year. With Stan the Fan Charles and Glenn Clark sitting down with Hyde to discuss his role in creating the culture that defined the Orioles' magic season. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2023. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Terps, and O's at PressBoxOnline.com. Contrary to what some people believe, I actually like this guy when he sleeps. Glenn Clark, talking sports. Drew is here with us as we're winding down on a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the program. Would You Rather Wednesday brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Someone who participates today will receive a $25 gift card to your neighborhood at Glory Days Grill. Would you rather number one? Nah. Okay, bet everything you have. Oh, I'm interested. I know, as soon as I said that. Hold on. On Patrick Mahomes, ultimately at least matching Tom Brady with seven Super Bowl wins. Well, you're assuming Brady's not going to win another one. That's a good point. (laughs) Or bet everything on him ultimately finishing with no more than four Super Bowl wins. Same odds. Well, I'm a, I'm interested right away when you say bet everything. Right, I know. Just throw it out there. Right. You're betting he either gets to eight or four. Right, or set. You can get I mean, to seven, se- seven, seven or four. Seven or three, one way or the other. You could but go. You're, you're, you could go you're, over seven, or you could, but you can't bet. You can't say, "Well, I think he's going to win five. Well, you can't make that bet. He's either winning seven or seven or more, or four or you less. You have to bet one way or the other. He's going to win seven or more, or four or less. You don't get your money back if he wins five. No. I would take the seven or more in that bet because he's winning more than four. That's a definite. You're not winning the bet if you take four or less. You you it's, might win the bet. It's an incredibly – I know I, it's it's weird because what you're saying doesn't sound bold, but it is. It's really bold to say someone is definitively, definitely winning multiple Super Bowls. He's, right. He's going to win two more. He's going to win two more. I, it seems that way. It sure as hell seems that way. He'll, he'll win one with the Chargers in seven years. Okay. You're, like you're, Brady won one with the Bucks. I, like I, I think there are still questions that have to be asked here. How long is Andy Reid going to coach? How much of a factor is Andy Reid? To the point we found out that obviously you know, Tom Brady was the bigger factor than Bill Belichick was as that went on. But is that definitely the case in this instance? We don't know yet. How big of a factor would it be if Travis Kelsey, who – Showed some signs of decline this season, and before ultimately, right? You know, fi- fixing all of that when the playoffs came around. If there are more signs of decline a year from now, how much of a factor is that so, for the Chiefs? Someone asked me this today, Drew's Morning Dish, Ed Jerns. Um, what are the what are the percentage? Doesn't sound real. I don't think what? that's a real person. Ed Jerns. Yeah. Ed Jerns. Ed. Ed Jerns. Right. I what, hear you, but it's all right. What are the percentages that Mahomes wins five Super Bowls, six Super Bowls, seven, and more than seven? Anyway, I said it's 80% that he wins five, 50% that he wins six, 30% that he wins seven, 15% that he wins more than seven. So I think he has a 50% chance to win three more. So you would obviously bet that way. I I would. He He's not... He's not winning one or zero. That's not happening. I don't think. He's just too good. 
He's really good. There's no and, debate about and it. And as time goes on, and they they go through the ebb and flow of the all, all the cap issues, right. he, he they're going to give him better players. Guys are going to want to go play there. Someone's going. Uh, I'll just use Beckham as an example. Like an an aging wide receiver with two years or three years of tread left on his tires well, say, will want to go there. Yeah, let me just Jamar go there. Chase I'll... will want to go there mm-hmm. and play with Patrick Mahomes or Cooper Cup. You know, the, the, there's going to be guys that are always going to want to play with him for sure. So he's here to stay. I just don't think that I could bet on him winning four more. I just don't. Think I, I, I know. Do that. I think, and that's, that's well, the I'm thing. not going to bet against I, him. So I try to I treat. You. I look at these a little bit like major championships in golf, right? Right. It's been different in tennis because the same three guys have won, won them all. Them, yes. But in golf, you know, some people always say this to me: "What's the mark of a great, great, great player?" And I always say, "I think if you win four or more, you are out of this world great." It's pretty disrespectful to John Daly, by the way. Who only won pretty two? Pretty disrespectful. And it's kind of disrespectful to VJ Singh, who only won three. But if you look at the lineage of the guys who won four, there's something about them. Ernie Els, Ray Floyd, obviously Phil, uh, Kepka. Uh, those are the guys that have – and Roy's trying to win four. and uh, Or Roy does have four. Sorry, he doesn't have the um, Masters, but he does have four. Um, does have four, right? Yeah, because he won the U.S. Open. Yeah, he won, he won, he won two, PGAs. two PGAs. and yeah. he won the British, right. Um Something about four. But then think about this, right? Think about how great Phil is. And if Phil, if Tiger would have never been Tiger, Phil would be, Phil would arguably be the greatest player of the last 30 years, and it wouldn't even be close. Right. Right? Phil only won six. Now, part of the reason he only won six was because of Tiger. Part of the reason Mahomes has three instead of four is because of Brady. Mm -hmm. Because Brady beat him once. Right. Well, his own offensive line contributed but, but, to that but quite a bit, too. You know what I'm saying. Yes. Like, so, yes. so Mahomes is benefiting from the fact that Brady isn't in the league anymore. And, and in the same way that Kepka is benefiting the fact that Tiger is no longer Tiger. Mm-hmm. But I look at these Super Bowls a little bit like major championships. Like They are really, really hard to win. So you're, you're saying he's got three now. Could he possibly win three more? He, he can if he is that Great. Right. Well, he can, and I, I just don't think it's a reasonable bet. Roethlisberger to make the bet was never winning four. Of course not. He was. Eli was never winning right, right. four. I get it. I get Peyton. It. Peyton should have won should seven. Have. Yes. If not for Brady. Yep. They but, just happened to be. Peyton is Phil Mickelson. In a way, I would still argue that some of that was Peyton himself, right? But Peyton like, was Phil Mickelson, data wise. Mm-hmm. He he was always second fiddle to Tom Brady. There's plenty of things, by the way, in golf. Tiger would never admit this. There are some things about there are some things in their golf games that Phil is more adept at than Tiger. Fair. Tiger's career, all uh, this is a negative to say. I would say the same thing Tiger, about Agassi and Sampras. Uh, by the way, fair. Uh, Agassi did something Sampras never did. Yeah, he won the French. Right. right. Yep. F- but Tiger's career, if you look at his history, and by no means am I diminishing what Tiger did. By no means, Tiger's career feasted largely on golf courses that had four par fives. Just in Tigers the ball, right? In Tigers at Tigers Zenith, he started every tournament at minus twelve. Fair. If he had four par fives, right. he didn't he wasn't sixteen under, but he was twelve under before right. he started. Right. And now all he had to do 
was play those holes and even par or better and not throw a double bogey in there somewhere and make six other birdies, he was going to beat you. Right. No, I get Phil it. Phil could play the par 70 courses because mm-hmm. his short game was way better. Well, I shouldn't say way better. His short game was yeah, superior he he to Tiger. He didn't chip it. He didn't make that he, chip shot at Augusta. Let's let he, let's settle down. Over that's there. true. But Phil had a more of an array of shots around the green. But he he couldn't compete with Tiger's length. How does this happen to me? I always end up letting him. I always let him get. Well, but am I getting the same odds on it's uh, both syner- here? It's a yeah, synergy. Same odds. Same odds. But it's well, a synergy then, to the comment about how hard it is for these people to win. He. Mahomes has got a better chance of winning six or seven because there isn't because he is Brady. He's not playing against Brady. He's the best quarterback in the league, so yep. it, it is an easier road. For, easier is the wrong word. He he has an advantage because he is Tom Brady. I get it. Yeah. I get it. So, I get it. I could. I still couldn't make. I it. would. I and would. So here's the argument: Lamar or someone else. No, but I'm saying Lamar. Or Herbert or Allen. Yes, they would have to well, step in and do something. They've got to beat. Right. They've got to beat yes. Tiger. Well, that's what they're saying it. about Lamar. He's he's Phil. He's he's paid. Right, but there's also in right. making in making a bet like this. To be fair, Tiger is the great example because in making a bet like this, you're also including some of the factors that you don't think about, right? Like physically, if you ask, is something going to happen to Patrick Mahomes that's going to prevent him right. from being able to no do doubt. this for the if rest? If you just said life. to me in 2010, I saw the the script. Yeah. Tiger wins 15 majors. I would have said you're absolutely insane. Yeah, he's going to win 20. 20, Minimum. 25, right, something right. like that. Right. But physically, and obviously other issues that he dealt with within his life, completely derailed that and he only won one more. He, he still, this is the thing people always say about the issues with Elon, he still won gobs of tournaments after that. Right. The injuries crushed him. Right. I'm not saying his marital strife didn't yeah, have impact him, right. but his, what really crushed him were his physical problems. And you're right. I would, Mahomes could get those. Right. I would bet. I mean, uh, since I'm getting the same odds, I guess I don't know. It's so, I'm going to take him. So absurd just, to bet somebody betting, with four more. You're betting all your money anyway. So Who cares? Absurd. Just yeah, bet that's, that's a good point. point. Yeah, he'll win all of them. All right. Uh, Orioles today. We were talking about this yesterday. Orioles today announced an eight-year, two hundred million dollar deal for Cody Bellinger. Or mm. either that's too rich for your blood, or you'd rather them just save their money. And the only way that you should be spending money right now is on your own guys. Well, where is he playing? Who? Bellinger? Does it matter? Does Who's spots Why would he it take? On the Orioles. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, whose spots he take? You figured that out. That's what I said yesterday. That to me is not a problem. That's not something that I'm like, you get a chance to go get a baseball player, you figure that out. Now, if you say you don't want to do it, that's a different conversation. But it's not going to be based about where is he going to play. I I'll figure that out. That's a re- that's 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 not a real problem. How old is he? Thirty? Twenty eight? Is that what we figured? Yeah, twenty eight. He'll be twenty nine at some point during the season. Yeah, of course he'll be twenty nine at some point. Well, but you <laughs> during the season oh, that uh, does uh, matter. I mean, I'll like, be eighty at some point. I, thank you. <laughs> I hope. It. Well, no, he's saying this year he'll be right. before the season is over. He'll be twenty nine. I, I and you're and you're opposing this because of the money element. The, you because it worries me. It worries me that they won't be able to sign. Griffin brought this up yesterday. It worries me that they won't be able to sign Gunner or Adley. Well, that's my point. Or you're, you're saying, but I would also say there are people that don't think you can sign. That Cody Bellinger's been too inconsistent in his career, and just because he had a big year last year doesn't yeah. mean that you can sign him but to these, a twenty-five million dollar a year deal. Right. Well, they, okay. So these are distinctly they they are two different, almost two different topics. Are you afraid that? That two hundred million could have been earmarked for someone else. Now it's earmarked to Bellinger. I'm, I'm giving or, you both. You can call, you can say no for either of those reasons. I think I would pass. Okay, I would. And the reason I would pass is not if they won eighty eight games last year. 
or 84, right. I might take him. Yeah, make the, make the difference. They're going to win 110 without him. You're so, so bullish about this. You better also, solve the back end of the bullpen, Chief. You better figure well, that out. Well, when you're 7-2 to two ahead, you don't need the bullpen. Ah, it's great. Great point. Win all the games by 10, no problem. Yeah, I'll also. You doubters. Eight years. You haters will see. God, and that could really, I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe it won't matter. Like, Rubenstein will just spend and spend and spend, and it won't matter. But, yeah, like, like what happened with Chris Davis. Like, but this is, I I'm think, not worried about I that. Think I think that's think impacting that. our ability to talk about this. I don't have to think about this. I really do. Chris I Davis. think it's, I think it'd be. Uh, he's, it, not he's because of Chris Jacoby Davis, but because of, because of how yeah. things went. Yeah. Um, maybe. He's Jacoby Ellsbury. But what's wrong with having Jacoby Ellsbury? When he was with the you Yankees, can have, you can have Adley. You can have, yeah. He was terrible. I, I have this, like, if that's the only player you're going Johnny to sign, Damon. then of course you don't. But to me, if the Orioles are signing Cody Bellinger, it's because they're saying, we're going to sign a lot of dudes. We're going to spend money. Like, this comes back to the same thing that I said about Chris Davis. In hindsight, if Chris Davis was the only contract you were ever going to sign, of course it was insane to sign Chris Davis. But the only reason you should have been signing Chris Davis is because you were willing to spend money on other baseball players as well. Now, the Orioles I'm just not time, ready for that until I see it. You I know, understand. It's like, it's like the Cobra Burns. He is like, a I hell of a player. I, d- I would have thought he, he's got a better average than 258. Because he had three really bad years. Yeah. He had three yeah, really he had bad or years. One year. Now, yeah. one of them was the 2020 season, so that's that it's hard count. to, yeah. Like, I, you, how do you even wait? World that? Series that year. Um, that's true, technically. It's, you know, with that an was asterisk. COVID year. <laughs> but, like, the year after that, he hit 165 in 95 games <sighs> in 2021. That was bad, yeah. Two he years ago, he hit 210. So, what is Cody Bellinger? That's He's part Jacoby of the Ellsbury. He wishes he were Johnny Damon. Who, by the way, had 2,700 hits in his career. I, one more year, two more years, he'd have been in the Hall of Fame. He also had a 47 home run season, which I, I can't. Know. I don't know. I don't know what to do with oh, that. Oh, you know what? I'm following him for one year. The, a 30 million, 30 million. Griffin, it's year. would you rather Wednesday? Uh, yeah, yeah. This year, tra- no. no, no. The answer is you don't no. get to do this. The answer is no. The answer is no. Report you to Ryan Frazier. <laughs> He's our governor of Would You Rather. How Wednesday. about we sign him? Stop it! Shut up. The Number three. Is no. Would you rather the NFL heeds the advice of some, including Dan Patrick, who were loudly saying last week that the Super Bowl should be moved to Saturday, or no, it's fine, leave it as it is? One, Dan Patrick said this? Yes. One million percent move the game to Saturday. We disagree. One million percent. We disagree. What about, yeah, I mean, just make Monday off. Well, that's I've said it a million times. That's going to happen. We're all just one million percent move the game to Saturday. The plan was always for there to be 18 regular season games. They could only get to 17. And then you could have an Alicia Keys concert on Sunday. You could, 100%. I'm not opposed <laughs> to that Although either. that first note the other night. Yeah. She's, oh, my she's Lord. Not, she's not what she was. Watch yourself. She's still very good. <laughs> but the first note the other yeah, night. It was, it oh, was, my Lord. Was they had to doctor one. that up. That was a tough one. Um, Better than Usher. They're going, to, they're going to figure this out because they can't have the Super Bowl. Move the on, game to Saturday. Whatever year it is that the Super Bowl would line up with Valentine's Day, they're going to fix this before then. They're going to make it an 18-game regular season. They're going to Super Bowl will be bumped What's back What's Valentine's Day got to do with it? Yeah, it was... they, they had like a six-year cushion that they weren't going to have to worry about those two things. They're going to figure it out before then. But what's Valentine's know, Day have to do with it? Well, I understand what you're saying is that no one would care about that Super Bowl would drown Valentine's Day completely. Oh, but right. it's a good time frame for them in order to get it done beforehand. Gotcha. They always wanted it to be an 18-game regular season. Of it's course. They want it to be a 24. I, they're going to get <sighs> to 18. They just had to go with the middle ground in order to get the players to bite, right? Like, it, So they got the middle ground. Now they're putting games anywhere. Yeah, right. Brazil, Everybody's going to play. There's going to be – you realize – there will come a time when everyone plays an international Almost game. Almost certainly. Oh, yeah. Almost certainly. Well, you, only get, you, you, you got to have 16 games. Right. He wants to have an entire week international, of right? Of course. That was, 
They want to have six. Did you? I, but I by the way, do you know? I he thought makes, I saw that. Maybe, maybe. What do you think he makes 50, for a year? Uh, keep going. Sixty. It's over sixty now. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Good for him. Good for it's good work if you can get it. Good work. Um, he needs Vince McMahon. Don't don't say that. Don't say <laughs> oh that. Oh my lord. So how much of that's true, by the way? Zero percent to one oh, hundred. Oh, the stories that I had heard years ago. How much is true? I would say of this current 70, story, seventy percent of it is true. I would say it's more, and I would say he's fortunate that this is the only part that's coming out, because the stories that I had been told by professional wrestlers over the years. Now again, I, you know, how many of them are just saying ass to say ass or saying things that I can't independently verify all of them, but there are enough stories that the idea that I can say they're all made up nonsense. I would say that at least seventy percent of this is true. If seventy percent of the lawsuit is true. I mean, he might be the most heinous human yes. being in the world. Fact. Fact. But I would tell you that the stories that I've heard would tell me he is definitively the most heinous human being in the world. Whew. Definitively. Now, again, I can't I can't guarantee those things to be true. Man. I I started in 2006. It was the first time that I heard from a, and I, a story that made me say, yeah, I'm never going to look at this dude the same way. Never. I'll you know what? If you stick around, I'll tell you about it afterwards. Mm. Um. I don't care that the game is on Sunday. The sun, it's fine. It's fine. Sad. But I'm we the wrong to, person to concern about this. I got th- people have things to do on Saturdays. People, yeah, watch the Super Bowl. No, kids have like rec tournaments and stuff like that. I don't. Sa- I don't need more events on Saturdays. Please. We flip everything and just you know for that one week. You know the kids, right, tournaments. kids have to move to Sunday. Well, yeah. like the churches do things on Sunday, so I don't think they're open for hosting. You know, churches these types doing of every Sunday and football goes on. I understand. I'm saying I'm gonna leave it. It's Sunday's fine. Shouldn't by be me. doing anything about it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess yeah. I don't feel too strongly either way. All right, it's a day of rest. Number four, imagine you're single again. Potential partner that you've this had. This is not your, a good idea on Valentine's Day. I understand. Go we'll get the potential partner you've had your eye on for a long time. All right. Selma Hayek. Sure. You don't know her, so it's somebody you would have known at the time. Um, Mrs. Clark. Sure. <laughs> sure. She was she's looking, lo- she was she's looking, lovely. She was looking good at the AFC yeah, Championship game. Was she? I didn't oh, see Oh, I don't know. I wasn't paying Yeah, you didn't notice. Uh, they offer, she says, I'll tell you what, Valentine's Day, I'm going to spend the night with you. Oh. Wow. Right? But. Those were the days. But what you don't know about me is I'm actually a diehard Texas Rangers and Kansas City Chiefs fan. And the trade-off for me being willing to spend the night with you is that you have to rewatch with me the ALDS and the AFC Championship game ahead of time. Or. You're spending Valentine's Day alone. I mean, I, you th- you know the answer to this. It is totally depends on who it is. <laughs> it's some you. Know, I'm painting the picture. It's it's not you start like... with you. No, it's somebody you know okay. that you've had your eye on that you've looked at. You've said I'd like for that to be my. So Griffin's a better example. Valentine, right? right. I I'd, I'd love I'd like to for be spending Griffin to be my Valentine. <laughs> I'd love to be spending my Wednesday evening with this young lady. And she says, she approaches you and says, yeah, it's like the song, it's the weedest song. I got two tickets to Iron Maiden, okay, baby. But, Come with but me Friday night. Define spend the night. You know exactly what spend the night uh, means. Uh, okay. I don't okay, need okay, to, okay, okay, okay. I'm trying to. I want to clarify that. that that's part of the to, deal. I'm trying to clean this up as much as I can. <laughs> you don't have to. Man, you got to watch the entire ALDS again. Yep, all well. three games. And the AFC Championship game. She's coming over at like three in the afternoon. Got to watch them all. You know, the, the, huh? maybe I mean, the only... Is Chinese food involved? <laughs> uh, I'm in. I don't think she likes Chinese food. I'm in. I gave it up for Lent, by the way. Oh, yeah? 
So when are we going to the Asian kitchen then? After Easter. When's that? March 31st. Oh, God. I know. That's not too You think hard, it's going to so. be hard on you? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I didn't know that you ate anything else. I didn't. That's <laughs> the problem. That's why I've lost 11 pounds. Yeah, um, yeah I'll watch them. <laughs> I mean, you want to know the truth? I kind of watched the ALDS anyway. So what? Yeah, I was a closet Rangers fan. I was betting oh, yeah. on them the whole time. No, I'm kidding. Um, I would, I would watch it. Sure, it's sports, and I already know the outcome. Not I. It's way easier to watch it when you know the outcome. I, this is probably difficult for me. It's o- it's okay for me to not have sex for one night. Like it's okay. I'll live. I I'll survive. There'll be other nights. I don't have to sit through the commercials, right? We just skip right in. Yeah, it's just the game. Okay. Yeah. You already know how they end. You don't even. Yeah. There's no suspense. That's the part of the reason why it's like it's not just they're losing. It's that like I'm, I, I, there's nothing interesting about this. I'm going to be. Who uh, didn't Nance and Romo do the? Uh, they the, did. So you got that going for you. I thought Romo was great by the I'm way. Good there. I didn't think he was great in the AFC. I did too. I he he, he overuses the leverage term a lot, and he does have the a tendency to almost. He he's so smart about the game, mm-hmm. and he knows so much that it it does get lost a little. But I do think he's awesome. And I and it's funny, I got into a debate about him the other day with somebody who said he's jumped the shark, he's terrible, he's blah blah blah, and I'm like, you, you, it's football is such a difficult sport to understand, mm-hmm. and this is back to my argument about people who think they know more than the coaches. You, you don't know Jack, and and he's the one guy. I I tend to disagree with a lot of people who talk about Collinsworth. People hate Collinsworth. I think Collinsworth I think, is a, I think Collinsworth yeah. does a nice job. He's much different than Romo in that he does like to personalize things, and Romo Romo's much more about the game. Mm-hmm. And you, we always joke around about like sitting there watching the game in your underwear. He Romo is so excited about football. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He loves it. It's guttural. And you can see right. him it's like guttural. taking off his pants. Yeah, like, you can hear it. Ah, yeah. this is awesome. Yep. Like he loves it, yep. and he is very very good at what he does. I agree with you. I. My favorite play, it was the in overtime. I just pulled it up if if you want, but he the 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 Niners are showing blitz and he's like they're gonna they should have two oh, of these guys the third, drop back. It's the third and sixth. Play. Yes, it's yeah. the third and, and sixth right play. The they sent it all. They sent them all, and he's and, like, and oh, he they, said, shouldn't they shouldn't have done. done that. They shouldn't have done you that. Go ahead. I did. I did like that. Like I I've I have rewatched that too. I thought it was one of his finest moments all night, and he, I thought he had a great game. I thought he was excellent. I did too. Courtesy better of the than Usher. CBS. Usher was good. They just he was terrible. No, he wasn't. Stop. They've come after him, and they've been up in here. I expect him to drop out this time. Oh, they shouldn't have done that. Up ahead he goes. Rice has the first down, and he's out it of bounds at the Tremendous. Point. They shouldn't have done that. I tell you, he was awesome on Sunday. They and I don't think he's – I think he's had a really up-and-down year. I think he's – you know, like the Romo thing is kind of wore off a I, I would bit. also say that one of the reasons he's had an up-and-down year is – He set the bar very high for himself. W- yes, and I also think he now has fallen into – I don't really care what happens in week seven between the Browns and the Steelers. Oh, sure. There's some I, of that. I really don't care about this game. They also got a weird – like, they kept getting the Chiefs every week. Ironically, the Chiefs ended up being the Super Bowl right. champions. But for a part of the season, the Chiefs game wasn't the most interesting game right. that was going I on in the NFL. I think if you give him – if you let him – not that they would ever – if you said to Tony Romo on Sunday, hey, pick next Sunday, where do you want to go? Right. Then he'd, he'd be, be great more. every week. That's a great, that's a great point. I'll go, great I'll point. go do Lamar in, um, yep. in Detroit. But they keep getting the Chiefs and the Cowboys. They like they just keeps right. getting the Chiefs or the Cowboys. And right. at some point, like we've already told He's all just those boring. stories. Yeah. But in the postseason, 
He's not bored. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. He's not. How'd bored. you feel about uh, people were upset? You know, with the final call, so Nance like stopped talking, and then Tony jumped in f- during the during the final Didn't call. Nance kind of, have a, kind of no. immediately described the play and stuff. And no, what Nance. Happened. But Nance said something right away uh, when the he had a line all prepared. Well, he always does. Re- repeat, so repeat. Like what that. did he Whatever. say? Repeat Chiefs or something? It didn't bother me. It didn't Don't, bo- it, nothing bother if me. If either one of you say, if I even think you're saying something negative about Nance. I know, you're going to be you, a fist fight. No, you won't. You won't do that. You're 60. Stop it. But well, I get that you'll For Nance, there might be a fist fight. Quickly, Griffin, what was your answer for the last one? What's 60 have to do with it? I guess I, I guess I'll sit through the games again. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, what, they're just throwing the background, but it's right? not going to be your like girl a true twenty-two-year-old. Yeah, I guess if right. you force me to, I don't know. throwing the background, right? That's just no, no. You have no, to have go to, like, through all attention. that before you get to the other. Part I mean, of the I guess the, the, the since I was at the Orioles games at Camden Yards, like it'd be interesting to see how they portrayed Camden Yards on what TV. Did we again. lose uh, game three by like that. Was it five seven one? zero? Was it no, they zero? scored some score? runs. Seven they, one. They did. They ended seven up to scoring. One? Yeah, I think. What was the final of that? Uh, who could remember? Let's go back over that real quick. No, why would we do that? We're not getting the night. We're not getting that night. Who pitching that game? Dean. Oh, I'm gonna have to do it tonight anyway. Yeah. So for God's sake. Yeah, who started? Yeah, Dean. Dean. We mean Deansy. Oh, Dino. Mean Dean? Mean Dean? Hey, countysportszone.com is your headquarters. Shut up. 7-1. Countysportszone.com is your headquarters for local high school scores, schedules, and standings across all sports. Countysportszone.com is proudly sponsored by Toyota. Hey, will a tidbit hold until tomorrow? Uh, Yeah. It's twelve thirty. Yeah, I got it. Here, right here give me. I'll, I'll give you one really quick one. It okay, was uh, so Mahomes became this, the this second really player. This really quick one is brought to you by the print issue of Press Box, which is still available. It's the best of issue. Go get it at your neighborhood Royal Farms. Uh, he became the second player in Super Bowl history to win the Super Bowl and also lead his team in passing and rushing. Who did Mahomes join? Win the Super Bowl, lead his, his team, team in, in passing, passing and rushing. Oh. Steve Young. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. an easy one. Yeah, was Glenn easy. and I got that one. <laughs> yeah. Did did we? <laughs> did we get that one? I was going to say Randall Cunningham until I forgot. Yeah, they never won. He never won. Correct. And Michael Vick. Yeah. Uh, Tubular is brought to you by the Green Turtle. Griffin, what's going on at the Green Turtle? Uh, get your free $10 bet at the Green Turtle on Thursday, every Thursday. Uh, it is the place to be. Uh, the Green Turtle Sportsbooks in Towson and Canton offering you your free $10 bet on whatever you would like. You can experience the ultimate destination for game day excitement. Great food and live in-person betting. So go check out the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbooks in Towson and Canton. Go pick up your free bet and make some money while enjoying some uh, some food and sports tomorrow if night. You're, if you're having a sad Valentine's Day alone, you can make it sadder. Iowa, Maryland, tonight at 8.30 on the Big Ten Network. Oh, we're not losing tonight. Sure. Sure. <laughs> You go ahead. What kind of guarantee do you want to double down on uh, the Asian We're kitchen? We're going to hold that girl to 21. Yeah, right. No, she, they already played that game. We're this gonna, is the man, unfortunately. I actually think we're losing tonight. No Probably. It's bad. We beat them there. It's true. That did happen. We had 19 turnovers there. I don't think we're going to so turn it. so funny how he says we. This guy. Well, a we, number one Maryland. Just, I get it. No, I state school. I heard how'd that. How uh, that Indiana game go? I mean, Not, the Ohio State game go. <laughs> Not uh, so great. You see, and the Indiana. Uh, you see Ohio State just fired. Yeah, they fired the Chris, Chris Holtman. Holtman yeah. Oh, did they really? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, ESPN Plus, Loyola Lafayette, 7 o'clock. American and Navy at 7 o'clock. Uh, the PLL Championship Series, first game's on ESPN2. No, two. thanks. Second, <laughs> second game on ESPN+. <laughs> what a guy you are. Daytona 500 qualifying. NASCAR is back. That's the real reason why you're supposed to be in here today <sighs> is to break down the 500 for us. I will uh, it, have a wager or two on uh, Sunday. Oh, yeah? I do. Tonight I it. love betting on the on the, uh, Daytona Who are you betting on? Well, my brother-in-law will give me the big tip. Okay. Um. Oh, uh, Joe's sister got married? No, he's – yes, but 
Well, they are. They're all. Never mind. Yes, they were married twenty years ago. He used to be a NASCAR crew guy. Is that the one that I met? What's the guy Austin? What's Does she have multiple Dylan? sisters? Is it Austin Dillon? Austin Dillon. Yeah, yeah, she has three other sisters. Oh, okay. Well, it's it's Austin not the one that Dillon. I met what are his odds? She was lovely. Austin Dillon's three thousand uh, plus three thousand. Go bet it right now. Superbook.com. Download the Superbook app. Use the code Clark 23 when you sign up. Receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose. That's your winner. Austin Dillon? Okay, very good. Daytona 500 qualifying at 8 on FS1. Sung J M is your Genesis winner. Oh, I was wondering about oh. that. Monumental. Again, if you want to be sad, Monumental Wizards Pelicans at 8 o'clock. Suns tried to screw that up last night. the Caps night. losing again. Ovechkin's got a goal in six straight, though. Yeah, he's... He's gonna is the record back on. Well, I mean, he's got sixty to go, but ESPN Bulls Cavs at seven thirty, Clippers Warriors at ten, TNT Panthers Penguins at seven thirty, uh, Champions League this afternoon on Paramount Plus, Lazio and Bayern Munich at three, Paris Saint Germain. I don't know how to say it correctly. No, Real Saint right? Germain. Germain. It's not that. Real Sociedad at three o'clock. TBS AW Dynamite tonight at eight. Non sports highlights. Um, uh, Abbott Elementary new episode. Uh, since it's Valentine's Day, new season of Love Is Blind on Netflix, of course. Sure. And uh, on Apple TV Plus, the new look. This is uh, this. It's a TV show. It's about the story of Christian Dior, and uh, it looks pretty good. It's like Coco Chanel. What Balenciaga. about Saltburn? That's out there, yeah. Drew, Drew, That'll be out. I, I almost hated Drew you. Ben Mendelsohn is a uh, Christian Dior. So it looks funny really good, I almost did, hated you did, for that. Did, did your wife sit down and watch it no. with you? Yeah, good thing. Now, do you want to go back and re-answer last week's question? What was the One question? One man, 60-minute show, oh. or or describe, go to a uh, senior citizen's home and do a book club where you have to graphically describe Saltburn. No, I'm good. Did you see the part where we were informed? Zach Seidel told us that the third scene, the grave scene, was totally impromptu. It, I hope so. It was improvised by <laughs> I hope it was. Barry Cogan just on his own. That's a, the most disturbing thing I've ever seen. Pretty messed up. Pretty messed up, man. The whole Pretty thing. That, it, that a human being created that and thought that was passable, and then someone on the uh, Netflix said, you know what we should do? Prime, air I this. I mean, Prime, yeah. air this. You watched it. I watched it again last night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that girl was oh, By lovely. the way, tonight I think uh, Nikki Haley is on uh, CNN. Isn't she on like every day now? I think there's some special tonight where she oh, it, uh, is going to go toe-to-toe or something with somebody. Are you Are you throwing? Are you? I mean, I'd you win over a, her, I think. Yeah. But my dog would win over her. <laughs> I, meant, I meant are you throwing? We, you were very vocal about your support for the other guy. Uh, the, 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 the guy, the, the, the Vivek. You were very oh, vocal oh, oh, about was, that guy. Now are you are you going another way on this or you're out? No, no, you're no. I mean, I, I mean, are you asking me who I'm going to vote for? I don't care about that. I'm saying, are you going to choose to be vocal the way that you were vocal about? No, okay. I'm not. There no, no, go. no. I mean, he, once he's out, yeah. I'm not. Well, I don't he was think out I'm, a while ago. Well, I'm saying yeah. I would have voted for him for sure, right. and I would have encouraged people to vote yeah. for him. Yeah, and failing that, I would have passed. I don't see anyone worth I, voting for. I, I, I would. Well, I, that part—that's the part we might agree about. We might agree about that part. When there's a uh, candidate worth voting for, someone come to me and present yeah, them. I never felt like there was one of those. Right. All right. All right. Very good. Drewsmorningdish.com. Is Joe Jorgensen run again? I don't think so. I don't think so. But I voted for her last time. Did you? Yeah. Really? I was one of the 1,400 yeah. in Maryland and voted for her. Never tell you about the time. Who was the... How about I went, last time when they're voting? I went, I went to Towson and didn't even ask me for my ID. I went to a party once with uh, Katie Brown. That's the truth. I went, we, went, we showed up to this party. It was at a house. I walk in, and Jill Stein is standing there. That's pretty funny. I'm like, what the F? 
That's funny. <laughs> She's like, I didn't know this. Was... I... Katie just got invited to a party. Said, come along with me. And she was what at that the point? The green con- party, I want to say. Okay. Was what she was in. She'll, and it was in an election year. Like, she was there in funny. an election year. Let me tell you kids about Just me. at a party in Towson. I'm like, hi. Dr. When Stein. I went to take my license out of my wallet. Yeah, they said, go ahead. All no. Right, all right. The guy, the guy held up his hands and said, no, 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 no. Do not. Don't need to see that. And I'm like, well. You don't need to see my ID? But they don't sell booze there. I mean, like, you're but good. You, but I could have gone up and said, I'm Glenn Clark. I live at this address in Moncton. And they would have said. Right, but that would be a federal offense. If you did that, you would go to jail. Like, that's the way that works. Yeah. Like, you say that you could. <laughs> yeah. But they actually do prosecute people for yeah, that. Yeah. Like, they do. They, do they? They do. Yeah. That happens. All right. It happened about 14 Stop, million times. shut up? Two years ago. God, years the ago. golf show is not <laughs> on this Sunday, but he'll be with me. Glenn Clark and friends. <laughs> I got morning. a couple of S-burgers for you on Monday, seven. buddy. Oh. <laughs> Tune in for Glenn Clark and friends, the new, Six o'clock? new radio show. I don't. What on earth are we thinking about? I, I, Who's you, producing? You want to do it? Uh, Jaron is. Oh, Jaron's pretty yeah, cool. Jaron's great. I like Jaron. Yeah. Break down to Daytona. and uh, Yeah, oh. that's exactly. Daytona 500 and the and NBA All-Star game. And the I'm Genesis. so sure. That'll be the awkward part is I will have watched no sports this weekend. Well, Genesis Invitational. There is nothing for me. Sure. Sure. Tiger's driving. The, the standing right, we gotta joke go. is Tiger's driving himself back and forth to the I course. I don't think that's smart. <laughs> I think they should have somebody else do it. All right. Thanks today to uh, uh, Paul Rabel. Thanks to Drew, I guess. Thanks also I, I to go. Kylie McDaniel and to Tony Pauline. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hit section of the Oh, my God. It's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. Tomorrow, uh, Dan Williams, former Stevenson quarterback who's now an assistant coach with the Chiefs, is going to check in with us. His third Super Bowl ring. Um, good gig. Uh, Clark Judge will yes. join us tomorrow. And I think uh, Spiro Marikas will be hanging out with us to do our annual look at the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ballot. So did you look at it? It's out. <laughs> no, but show it to me. Oh, not but we gotta just go. show it. No, you don't have anywhere to go. Yes, I've got to figure out where my wife's flowers are because she left oh, work early today. God, please, she, she doesn't like you anymore. Well, that pull might be the, true, but she still requires flowers on Valentine's Day. <laughs> pull up the rock and roll. God damn it, Mary pull J. It Blige, Mariah Carey. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! These are people that are are up for These nominations. I mean, finals nominees. Okay, the, go ahead. Share. Uh, no, go back. Who? Mary uh, Kay Ma- Blige. Mary J. Mary. Ma- <laughs> I said Mary Kay. Yeah, Mary J. Blige. Um, a, a maybe. Stop it. We're doing this <laughs> tomorrow. Ryan Carey. Uh, maybe. Share. Maybe. Dave Matthews Band. A one million percent. Really. Uh, Foreigner. Uh, maybe they were really good. They started all the love songs. Eric B. and uh, Rakim. Rakim. I don't know who those oh, are, that's but that's a no. It's a yes. Jane's. Jane's Addiction. Yes. Peter Frampton. Uh, fifty fifty. Cool in the gang. No, they had one good song. Lenny Kravitz. Y- yes, yes, but maybe not this year. Uh, Oasis. Yes. Sinead O'Connor. Sh- oh my God. Sinead O'Connor oh and God. yes. That's what I said. Ozzy Osbourne. She's a great singer. Ozzy Osbourne's not in the Rock, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Black Sabbath is. But Ozzy's this not? would be specifically his solo career that would be rec- recognized in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, yeah. I don't feel strongly about that. Yeah, that song I, I don't alone. either, but I don't either. But like, he's in Black Sabbath in the Rock and Roll Hall. You know, of he fame. did drugs. No. Yep. No. He did. Ozzy Osbourne? He did. Go ahead. I don't Say believe it. that. Sade. Sade. Oh my Are God. you doing this to take the piss or what? <laughs> Sade. <laughs> she's a no. She's a great singer, but she's a no. A tribe. A tribe called Quest. I really like, I really, really like a tribe called Quest. I. 
I know why people don't. I get it. It sounds a lot. A lot of it sounds the same. I think yes, but there are no. That is a that what is the, the hell list. just happened. That there is, are no. That is the list. Oh, for God's sake! And is how it, many can get yeah, in? Many, I don't know what that number is. If Dave know. Matthews isn't in, you should burn the place down. Like this is the problem. Talk what about the Soundgarden? It's not. They didn't. They didn't make it. They're not on the nominees. Not on the list. Soundgarden's not on the Stone list this Temple year. Pilots, the whole, yep, everybody that we talked about. You do, shouldn't even do the show tomorrow. Wow, <sighs> settle down. Would you settle down? Oasis. Just understand, like, War Pigs is represented in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Black Sabbath is in. So you'd have to really go through and comb through Ozzy's solo career. It's not recognizing the totality of he, his he career. Had, I understand. I don't care if you don't put him in. I mean, that's I don't, fine. I don't, I'm not saying he shouldn't be. I don't feel as strongly about his solo career as the totality of Ozzy. I do think of all the girls you mentioned at the beginning, I do think... The, Mary Mariah, J. Blige and Mariah Carey should both be in. I don't know. Uh, they I'm, say five I'm, to seven. I'm kind of 50-50 on Mary, Kay, Mary J. Blige. I keep calling her Mary what, Kay what, what, because we have a woman at Eagle Sales called Mary Kay. Kay. No, called oh, Mar- okay. her name is Mary Kay Mosh. Um, Mary J. Blige, I'm 50-50 on. Mariah Carey, I would acquiesce on that and say she should be in. I have no problem with Shutter. This is a real problem. I like most of them. I don't have a problem with. There's very, I, there's very few on this list that I say. That's. Are you crazy? I have very few on this list that I feel that way about. Sinead O'Connor's we'll a yes. Tomorrow we'll talk sure. about it tomorrow. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, this has been the longest show since the last longest show. Did I thank everybody? Oh, thank all the. Thanks great- for teaching me. No, how let's to say do these that names. again. God. No sponsors and partners. We I gotta, gotta go. We gotta do four hours on Monday. Then I gotta come over here and do two more. Thanks to everybody at Live Casino and Hotel, Mother's North Grill, A.J. Michaels, Guilford Hall Brewery, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Superbook Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Somebody find my wife's flowers. Have a great Wednesday night. Go Terps. Go Loyola. Go Navy. Duke sucks.